I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Toilet paper. I'm stocking up just in case. This is like, apparently this is a natural crisis, so we need toilet paper. Yes. Because in this case, shit is hitting the fan. <laughs> God, man. What a, what a, what a nightmare. I, uh, I don't care about any sides, just the whole system. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's a big joke. It is. Oh, my God, man. And uh, i got to try and leave on time. Sure. I think they're... Uh, you live in the city, too, right? Up mm, that way? Not anymore, no. Oh. Where, where do you live? live? Off of 290. Oh, but so you... So, northwest side. you got to take 288 to get home. Don't have to, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Beltway's right here. Yeah. And I could jump on the Beltway and take it over there. Well, I just got an update from my uh, 288 construction update service. And they're shutting and down And I'm something. pretty sure they're closing it after 9. Nice. Lovely. Oh, sweet, man. If the time comes and you just get up and walk out, I will uh, close it without you. So please, uh, if we get carried away. You feel, uh, we felt pretty good on the mic from the beginning. You uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Gravity Lab Radio. We are live. I thought you had a thing you were saying. Didn't you have a thing you were saying? Oh, hey, party people. She only did it once, man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like want to yeah. use it out, you know? Hmm. All right. Yeah, I loved it. I That's thought it cool. Was cool. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it I a like lot it more too. now. No, whatever. No, whatever. Okay, let me do it again. Hey, party people. All right. See, welcome. Now, now it feels like it started. <laughs> All right. Yo, guys and gals, welcome to another Gravity Lab Radio. Uh, my guest tonight, Jimmy Skates. How you been, brother? Oh, uh, pretty good. Man, my, uh, one of my favorite things about the show is a couple hours before the show, I start processing who I'm about to talk to. And you and I have had the conversation of having you here for quite a while, but it's only been the last six hours I've started thinking about. When did you start jumping? I've known you a long time now. Uh, 2011, the very end of 2011. Okay, I thought it had been a little bit longer than that, but still. Um, uh, it seems like it. Yeah, nine, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Um, did you see the post? Oh, you haven't. The description of this asks a couple questions. How do you have the body of a 10-year-old with the face of a 62-year-old man? <laughs> And do you and Nick Lott share clothes? We could. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed we've got a real similar shoe game. Yeah. And pants game. And a little special thing I did for Nick. I broke out a pair of the uh, Simpson shoes for tonight. Oh, And then you DJ did? said, keep <laughs> them yeah, at the door. Take them off of the door. Man, but I didn't I'll even show you. when I came in. Or yeah, right. well, on your way out, take a look. I, uh, I did man, notice your shoes right away, man. I'm, I'm sad I missed them. That's one thing. Uh, you've always had a, a fashion style that's left over from like the 80s and 90s. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate it. Compliments from the beginning. Yeah, how, old are, nice. how, how old are you? 53. 53. 53. I thought I said 63 earlier. No, you're really, you're younger than me, aren't you? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just found... We got to set up Jimmy and Lori. Is that what's going to happen? Oh! <laughs> A couple of old folks retiring together. Yep. Dude, I just found out today my best friend from high school is a grandfather. And I'm like, fuck you. That's just not cool at all that he told me that. I was pretty upset. Yeah. He is exactly when you're older than me. And, and you hear of people who are your age having grandkids. But when your homie does, you're like... It's real. God dang it, man. It, 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 it hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings yeah, oh, a lot. for sure. <laughs> so how you're 37? Sure. Yeah. How old are you? Roundabout-ish. Okay, we're going to be the great enigma now. You, but you do, you are, you are closer to my age. You do have that uh, 
cultural love for the 80s, 90s. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love the 80s as well. Now, see, that that one shocks me because you're 30. No, I always forget you're 30 well, something. Like, yeah, but I got like my parents bought me clothing like in the early 90s, late 80s. And so I had like sure. really awesome clothing when I was a kid. So she just, you still have some, you still wear it? I wish. Actually, no, I have one shirt and it's super 90s. I love it. It's like shrunk, but I can kind of still wear it. Do yeah. it. Yeah. Jimmy, what do you love about the 80s and 90s? Uh, definitely, well, probably the music. Oh music. my God. Yes. I was hoping you were going <laughs> to say music. Yeah. Yes. The music, the movies. Uh, yeah, that was a good time. For sure. Yeah. That 80s new wave. Oh, my God. Yeah, like synth pop, dude. That's the I, best. That's the best. I love it. I spent every Tuesday and Thursday from the time I was 15-ish to the time I was 19-ish at a club called Area 51 because Tuesday and Thursday were both 80s night. Amazing. Nice. Very and cool. We would go and dance until 2 in the morning. It was great. Is it Tank Top Thursday? Uh, I don't know. It's I just hot outside it, it for is some reason. It is pretty warm. <laughs> I'm checking them out. Dude, are you? Sun's out. I'm always checking them out. <laughs> Man, it, uh, the, one of the first things I knew about you was your taste in music. I met you as a new jumper and got to know you here and there in passing. It was it was just kind of casual, and you started. Po- I'd see you on Facebook posting about music, and I don't know if you remember one of our first big conversations revolved around head PE. I do remember that. Yeah. I love that. Band. I think that was the first time I actually <laughs> talked to you. You came up to me. Yes. About that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, at that point, I remember not really knowing you and seeing this like, man, this guy's got really good taste in music or really crappy taste in music, depending on who you ask. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal. I love Head PE. And I thought, I was like, man, I got to get to know who this fella is because if he likes Head PE, he's a completely my type of idiot guy. Right Head PE is an American rock band from Huntington Beach, California. Formed in 1994, the band is known for its electric genre-crossing style, predominantly in the fusion of gangster rap and punk rock. It is termed G-punk. <laughs> That's accurate. I would also <laughs> throw in the word ska with that quite a bit. Well, it doesn't say ska, but I'm not yeah. going to doubt you. Yeah, I would throw ska in there. Dude, it's, it's an eclectic mix and mash of everything. It's really... I, uh, I used to have an uh, iPod shuffle in the jawline of my G2, and so if you ever saw me in the plane grab my helmet to pull it away like I was trying to hear you, I was actually hitting pause because my left ear was a speaker and my right ear was my audible. And I would commonly listen to Head P in the plane and Swan Dive, you know the song? Yeah. Uh, swan Dive into the asphalt. And I mean, the dude's just rage, metal, screaming, nothing like a Swan Dive into the asphalt. Nothing gets you more hype for a skydive than a song <laughs> like that. Dude. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Your, your love for the 80s, that, and I, I don't know if I ever told you, I think I have, man, your love for pins actually got me to own the fact that I will wear and use, I don't know if you notice on my backpack, I actually carry a couple of pins now. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was inspired by you, but your dashboard is covered in pins. Yeah, it used to be. I've Okay, so I was losing them. I think a couple of people may have walked away with some, <laughs> and I got to the point where I was like, all right, I do have a pin board now, uh, a pretty big pin board. I've given a lot of them off to other people. Oh, oh I should have brought some. I got some pins made up of my own face. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. I gave that as uh, my going away present to all my people out in El Paso. They enjoyed it. We'll get back to El Paso in a second. You, uh, you're a working skydiver at some point. We'll get back to that. But what brought out the love of pins? Like, why? Uh, it's tangible. I love it. I, it, I guess... It all starts from concerts and music. Yeah, uh, certainly there are some punk rock roots there. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely like the buttons. Uh, I was always one of those guys that wore a lot of patches, you know, on the hat and pins. And 
stickers, you know, band stickers. I always had it all over my lockers and back of my car, stuff like that. And I've kind of toned it down more and gone the more slightly conservative route with the enamel pins. And now I collect, I'm a collector of all kinds of things, but I really collect a lot of uh, enamel pins, a lot of limited edition things, stuff like that. Nice. Wait, can explain how you have the pins on your dashboard? No, (laughs) DJ was wrong. I do not stab them into the dashboard. They're actually in the headliner (laughs) is where they were. That makes more sense. I'm so sorry. I I pictured exactly what you pictured. I was was like, man, he's just like, yeah, this guy doesn't give a damn about anything. (laughs) Could you imagine (laughs) the airbag going off and him coming (laughs) out? Yeah, it's like, I don't know how he died. Yeah. Shrapnel. (laughs) But yeah, no, it was in the headliner. It was all up there and it started out. It was just like two or three that I really liked. And then over time, and like I'm a, I like going to the Comic Cons and stuff. So I would buy a lot of, you know, nice little artistic ones I saw. And then two or three led to, I don't know, several hundred. <laughs> nice. so, yeah. Like all on your entire oh, ceiling. Yes. It got to the That's point awesome. where it was all the way in the back of my truck and. I'd hit a bump and then you'd hear tink, tink, <laughs> tink, and they would fall. So, so maybe people weren't walking awesome. away with those after all. Well, I'm sure I just lost a few or they maybe got vacuumed up, but I'm pretty sure a few. I mean, just if they were away. super dope, I mean. <laughs> Dude, seriously, yeah. I have a text conversation with my wife uh, just from yesterday because I noticed one or two of them were missing from my pin board and I didn't know which ones they were. So I went back, looked at a photo I had taken. And then I circled them, and I was like, "I'm missing these." <laughs> and, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Is she, I love enamel. Is pens she on the couch too. for the night? Is she in jail now? Oh, like the she's oh, because of that? Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> she pretty much does whatever she wants. I mean, a smart man. You're a happily married fellow, yeah, aren't for you? For sure. For sure. <clears throat> we have uh, a bunch of construction going on around our house right now. The backyard had a bunch of stuff done. The front's about to have a bunch of stuff done, and everybody keeps asking me what I think, and I just look at Val. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? What do you want? Like, I know what I think, and I know what I want, but I really don't care. Like, what does she want is what's going to make this the smartest and easiest thing. That sounds like uh, dinner. (coughs) You know, like, (laughs) when your wife says, what do you want for dinner? And it's like, okay, let's play this guessing game. How many places do I have to list off before I pick the one that you're already fucking thinking about? Yeah. Yeah, just like... To tell me, give me a couple options. Don't say I don't know. Tell me what you're thinking. I'll, I'll pick one. There's a a. Uh, Is travel the same way for you? For what? Like, where do you want to go for yeah. vacation? No, man. My wife and I really. She, Valerie doesn't want for much. She doesn't ask or prefer much. She just has me make any and all decisions and vacation. Honey, tell me when we're going on vacation and where we're going. That's what she wants. To her, that's the ultimate vacation. Uh, so when she does have an opinion. For example, the yard, the patio, stuff like that. Like, whatever you want. That sounds like a very healthy balance, actually. It's, I I hate making the decisions, but uh, I hate picking things. I hate, uh, like, I'm indecisive like the rest of the world. But I know for her, it's, it stresses her out. It bothers her. She doesn't want to make decisions. She makes literally multi-million dollar decisions every day for work. She doesn't want any more burden of making a decision of what's for dinner. So she was like, hey, what do you want for dinner? I'll ask her what's on the menu. We're very organized. And she'll pull out her list. And whatever the first thing she says is, I tend to say, yeah, that sounds great. That what, uh, Just say yes to the first thing. Makes her life, makes my life easy. Jimmy, well, I, don't, I don't think I've met your wife. Has she really been around the skydiving world? Uh, no, she doesn't really hang at the DZ. Uh, I couldn't even tell you the last time she was there, to be honest. I actually don't think I've met her. 
I think I've seen her. Yeah, quite possible. I mean, she would come to the tunnel occasionally. She did sign up and took the first jump course like two weeks after I did. And then she was weathered out for two weekends in a row. And then after that, she was like, you know what? I'm going to take it as a sign. And part of me was relieved. Part of me was kind of bummed, you know, but I was also thinking this is expensive. So good for me. You know, I kind of looked at it that way. <laughs> so th- this is 2011 actually, when you started? Yes. Uh, I, I think it was photos. October. Of like your first tandem and then your first job. Oh, wow. Who's, who did you do your first tandem with? My very first tandem, I was 19. And that was with... Uh, 1854? 1854. <laughs> we went up and uh, the Wright brothers were there. It was really cool. <laughs> Jumped with Rosa Parks. <laughs> <laughs> we had to sit in the back of the plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>, that- <laughs> Already? This is way too soon for me to start. Oh, no, dude. That was was awesome. That was funny. I I thought you were going to make a jump for the Rosa joke. Oh, uh, that would have been good. Back of the plane was better. That was, was, yeah. Uh, It was Bob Hunter, actually. He was my first tandem. um, Did you jump at Waller? Yes, I did. Okay. Yep. That was really cool. It was a one and done. I did it and I was like, all right, cool. I can cross that off the list. It was amazing, but there was nothing about it that really made me want to do it all the time. Um, and it wasn't until 2011 and my buddy Joel was having a, one of my high school friends was having a birthday party or birthday get together. And so he had text people, hey, you want to go jump? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it again. And my wife had never done it. And so we all went and it was like 15 of us and he got a free jump out of the whole thing. So it was pretty cool. And out of everybody there, me and my wife bought the $99 jump again tickets. And uh, she's like, yeah, we'll do that again in like six months or so. So the very next weekend, we went out there and we used them again. <laughs> and then I, had, um, I said, what do I have to do to do this all the time? The so, first time, you just didn't care. You're like, okay, this was cool. The second cool. time, you got hooked right away. For sure. What was the difference? Um, probably... I mean, it, there was a span of years in between there. Sure. So I think I was just kind of busy. For one, I, there's no way I could afford it. Not at 19. There's no mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, I was I was still living at home at the time with my parents. So it's like, come on, man. I wasn't even paying rent, dude. How am I going to justify that? Uh, but also, I, th- I think it was just a different scene. You know, the little the little scene out in Waller, which it was cool. You know, I mean, it was, it was fun. It was but, very homey. Yeah. But there was nothing that like drew me into it. And I think now the age of YouTube and actually seeing videos of people doing all kinds of awesome things and skydiving, the, you know, that helped out quite a bit. I wonder when I, when I ask a question, and yes, there's a little bit of bias because of my relationship with Spaceland, but my bias brought me to Spaceland. I like the way they did things. I often wonder, is it because you got involved in the skydive? And I don't know if everybody knows Steve Boyd's intent with the way we do tandems, but it's to get you hooked. Like, I don't want you to do a tandem. I don't want you to come back and get a student. I don't want you to come back to a student program. I want you to get a license and get hooked and start skydiving. I want this to be a lifestyle for you. So mm-hmm. he really uh, has... So there's a lot of programs like Spacelands. I firmly believe we are amongst the best in the world. We're second to none, but I think there are other really good programs. Skydive Chicago, mad props to the, the folks out there as well and, and other places. But there's a lot like ours that don't have the same passion of creating jumpers and promoting the community. Do you feel like part of the process that you went through here helped? 
for sure. But okay, yeah, now yeah, let go. me take this. Um, so when we went back to do the um, for my buddy's birthday, we didn't do it at Spaceland. We did it out at Skydive Houston okay. when they had switched locations now, and they were out at Eagle Lake. Yep. So we did it out there, and you know I did the two tandems out there. Okay. Talked so you got hooked there. I yeah, that was it. Okay. And you know, I actually got to see fun jumpers. There was fun jumpers on the load and seeing like these younger people with okay. their own gear and I don't know, just the whole thing it appealed to me more. Maybe it was because I was older and I was like, man, I need to do something besides drink and you know, <laughs> just go to concerts all the time. And maybe I was looking for something. Maybe it was a bit of a like a midlife crisis and it was I needed something to, you know, kind of grab onto. But whatever it was, it just screamed to me. And it was, I knew right away I was hooked. What were you doing for a job? What were you doing with your life at that point? Um, same thing that I had pretty much done since I got out of college. Um, foundation peer drilling. So what that is, is uh, it's construction. And before any house or signs or anything like that are put up, we drill holes into the ground. And then someone fills them with steel and concrete, and then they tie the slab mm-hmm. all together to keep it from, uh, you know, wavering and cracking things like that. And here in Houston, that's a huge need. Oh yeah, because we, yeah. you know, we're pretty swampy out here. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, you, you, you got into that once you started skydiving. I think uh, when did the tunnel open? Does anybody remember? You should. Twenty fifteen. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it opened to the public on uh, January first, twenty fifteen. Okay. So you spent the next four years as, as a skydiver. 2011, you made your first or your second tandem. Mm-hmm. You went back the next weekend, got hooked. You said from there, how do I get licensed to do this? What was the next step? Where, where um, did you go? I went to Google. And so I was really prepared to, you know, drop this money and mm. get my license. And you know, I started, you know, all right, looking into other things, and then I saw Skydive Spaceland. And the ratings and reviews were through the roof. So I was like, I think this is the place. Uh, even though the people out at Scott Houston were really, really cool to me. They were, yeah. you know, really awesome people. I felt like, all right, I should probably go here. So I just went there. Um, I set up, you know, I took my cousin, my wife went again, and my brother-in-law. And we all did another tandem. Because I called and I was like, hey, look, I got two tandems here. It shows that I have to do two tandems. And they were like, you just have to do one. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't mind. That's fine. Because honestly, I was terrified <laughs> about going, you know, solo. Um, what scared you the so most about going solo? The plane ride. Uh, oh, that? Uh, landing my canopy without okay. dying. Yeah, for sure. Dude, me too. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so important that people <laughs> yeah, hear that. Like because the falling part wasn't bad. It yeah. was the landing the canopy. That's the most common answer I get from new jumpers, and it's so funny because they all think they're unique and they're the only one afraid of that. But both of you, it was the the fear. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, they're just trusting me to land this thing. I've never done this before. I paid attention <laughs> pretty decent in my class. I was uh, My first jump course instructor made fun of me for years to come, saying you literally sat on the front edge of your seat and couldn't take enough information in. But when it came to flying the parachute and emergency procedures, you were the most attentive student I ever had. I'm like, of course, because I'm going to die if I don't listen to these parts. Oh, yeah. It petrified sure. me. What about you, Nick? 
Uh, I'll be honest. My ground school was not great. (laughs) (laughs) It was not thorough. I didn't feel like I don't even remember people talking about landing patterns. We definitely didn't practice pulling handles. It was uh, it was real brief. And I wasn't super worried about it. Because, you know, they told me I was going to have a radio. Oh, yeah, whatever. They're going to yeah. talk to me on the radio. The safety we'll, we'll figure it out together, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I've told the story about this before. No, this um, is news to me. The My first uh, solo jump was in Utah, Scott of Ogden, where I learned. And we were headed up as some weather was coming in. And we were probably at eight or nine grand. And uh, my instructor uh, was a woman who I hadn't... Uh, this was my first time meeting her. She wasn't one of like the cool dudes that was there that one the weekend that I did my tandem. She she was just a just a lady, and she s- turns to me and she says, "Yeah, the, the we have some clouds. We're not going to get high enough to to do everything on the jump, so we're going to ride down." And I said, "Oh, okay." So mentally, I'm switched off. She turns my radio off. Yada yada. I start to relax. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at these gray clouds out the window. Okay, we're not going. I'm not going skydiving right now. Whatever. Oh, two or three more minutes goes by, and I'd see the pilot say to her, "Oh, we're gonna get blah 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 higher altitude than than we than they thought about the weather." And she turns to me and says, "Okay, we're going." <sighs> so I'm like, "Oh shit, we're back! <laughs> uh, here we go. Switch back we're on. We're going. I got to remember all that stuff again." And um, she forgot to turn my radio back on. So that radio that I was so sure was it was the reason that I didn't need to worry about the the huh. landing did not work. Oh my gosh. And uh, so landing at, uh, I think the field elevation there's 4250. Uh, I didn't fly a pattern at all, and I crashed real far away from where I was supposed to be. It was awesome. <laughs> but even e- with those like radios, though, sometimes you can't hear them very well. <laughs> right. Yeah. The radio might not work for whatever reason. You might not hear it. You might have a Spanish speaking instructor with a really thick accent who's getting real excited on the other end of that radio. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's reasons that. <laughs> I love him. That, that radio <laughs> might not uh, perform for you. But I, that still, you know, I had ridden skateboards and snowboards and rollerblades, and I was pretty used to falling down. And I'm a durable little fella. So that even even after doing a terrible job with the first... Like, let's do that again. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> all right. I, you know, once the parachute was open, I felt like, uh, you it's know, fine. like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slowed down enough that I think I'm going to live regardless <laughs> of how I do with the parachute. Totally. But, uh, it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do great. It crashed a bunch. Remember the song Mexican Radio? I mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, I, uh, whoa. I'm on a Mexican that one? radio. Yeah. Yep. So I my first jump course, they actually didn't tell us we were going to be on radio until they were done teaching us canopy stuff. And I'm a huge advocate for this. I teach instructors like, hey, don't tell them until you're done. Teach them all about how to fly and land a parachute. Hey, guys, we got this. Drill them, train them. And when they're done, say, hey, by the way, just in case anything happens, we have a radio. But you should be able to land on your own now. And that's the way my first jump course was taught. And the second, she said that, and oh yeah, by the way, at two grand, you're going to listen to Mexican taxi drivers. Don't worry about it. At about 1,500 feet, you'll get back to us. <laughs> that's hilarious. And we all kind of laughed, and she goes, no, no, really, I'm serious. At 2000, literally, we jumped within, the, my landing area was 2,000 feet from the fence of Tijuana. I've measured it on Google Earth. So Is this Skydive San Diego? Uh, it was uh, called Air Adventure Skydiving at a different location back then. So it was further south than it is now. And wow, really? Closer yeah. than that? Yeah, wow. dude. If you look at the map at Brownfield, uh, literally... Oh, you, I know where Brownfield is. That's where it was? Yeah, uh, that's where we took off and landed uh, the plane, but we landed due east. So the same proximity to the border, uh, just due east of there. 
literally you take off, fly over the three-mile buoy in the ocean, go back over the mountains, and come back because you can't fly into Mexico, international airspace. You can't fly north into San Diego because of the airport. So you were stuck in this little strip of land. Dude, it's so close to Mexico. Dude, people legitimately landed off of Mexico. At Elsinore, I landed off, and I landed off in the field with one cow. And my buddy landed off in the field with a bunch of cows. And I made fun of him. I'm like, bro, there's one cow here. And I think most jumpers will know the story. He's like, bro, you're supposed to land in the field with a bunch of cows, not one cow. I'm like, what kind of sense does that make? Yeah, I'm a military brat. Grew up in Hawaii, San Diego. I don't know anything about bulls. Um, So I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, the field of one cow is a bull. I'm like, what the fuck? What they teach you in your first jump course? What to do if you land in Mexico? Not joking, dude. Inside your jumpsuit, there's a zipper pocket. You can open that up. There's directions on what to call, and there's enough change to call us. It, there, there was legit Dang. directions how to get back from Mexico if you landed off. That's, nice. um, that's a crazy thing to learn in your yes. first show. <laughs> Counting like, cows is what you should be doing as you enter the pattern. Uh, man, is there one cow or a bunch of cows? Don't land there. Don't land in Mexico either. People where I learned either landed in Mexico or the prison if they landed too far off. So that's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> both of those options wow. are not yeah. good. <laughs> not, not the greatest. I mean, there were plenty. I think one person my whole time there ever landed in the prison, and you really had to f up to do it. It's like, and you don't want to land next to the bull in prison. <laughs> both at the same time. Are you guys familiar with the the term BFE? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bum mm-hmm. bum bum far, far Egypt. Yeah. Bumfuck Egypt. I didn't know what this was. BF. Have you heard of this, Elsa? You got yeah. the same confusion. You've, you've, you've no, heard this? No, I have, but okay. like, I didn't really know what it meant. I knew it was like just in the middle of nowhere. The first time I heard BFE, Hank was yelling <laughs> at an SCP student <laughs> who had climbed out of the plane, stood out there for like 15 seconds, and then jumped back in the plane and was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And this wasn't even, this wasn't Hank's student. This was wh- whoever else was out before hank and hank is yelling at this kid as he's getting out of the airplane like it's a perfect compressed accordion exit that hank's doing with his student as he's yelling at this kid you keep putting me out here in bfe as as he's yelling at this kid as he's exiting the airplane and i was like bfe what what is this so i just wondered if you guys referred to the prison as bfp bfp Jesus, you just ruined a good story sorry Sorry. I just picture Hank yelling it at a student. It was hilarious, dude. It was so funny. Because, I mean, Hank was just like an autopilot. You know, he was just doing the exit that he knows really <laughs> yeah, well because it's part of, every, you know, this part of the student program. <laughs> but still just talking shit to this poor kid who was too <laughs> terrified to go skydiving and already felt real bad about it. I, I couldn't imagine just like <laughs> sitting or like outside the plane for 15 seconds and then not being able to do it. Like, I don't know. That's I mean, everyone's got their own process going oh, on in their own brain, you know? Yeah. So you had this fear of canopy. You do your fourth tandem now. No, no, third tandem now. No, fourth tandem. Fourth. Yeah. I had to do. You see me doing math on my fingers, dude. I'm smart. You're Asian. You shouldn't have to do that. You got an abacus, dude. uh, Soroban. So I I only knew those as as the Japanese name for years. So when I heard them called abacuses, I'm like, that's not the name of that thing. What are you talking about, dude? You're stupid. Um. So, uh, Four years, four tandems. Four tandems. How was, what was your mindset under Canopy? Were you dedicated to learning this and knowing this? Were you just overwhelmed by it? No, I held it together pretty well. I was, I was slightly freaking out, like the anticipation, you know, riding up and everything. But once I was under Canopy, I was good. 
But yeah, it was that whole anticipation leading up to it. I was just a freaking wreck. But yeah. How did that first landing end up going? Perfect. Stood it up. Boom, like yeah. a boss. Yep. I might have that photo also. Yep. I, Were I you have like a, this? Yeah, I've got a red uh <laughs> yes, saber you're like, too, I believe, like a two thirty. Yeah. Nice. They're yeah. all red saber twos. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you should know that. You're an instructor now. Um who did you do your student program with? Different instructors, the same Different instructor? instructors, but my first instructor was Liz Sass. And I, I thought that was yeah, her. She was uh, super awesome. Yeah, She is a phenomenal instructor. She really works well with students, especially the more nervous, and I don't think you were the nervous type of student, but the more nervous a student is and the more of a train wreck a student can become, the more Liz focuses and just gets them through it. And by far, her strength uh, was working with problem students as an instructor. She did a really good job with them. She was really great in courses as the as the she was a really good bad student. Oh, she was a, a, in the best compliment of the word when it comes to evaluators. She was an idiot. Um, <laughs> you've been our students, our instructors mm-hmm. before. Our job is to act like an idiot, and yeah. she had so much fun. But I think part of it is we tell evaluators you cannot do something that you have not seen. You can only emulate what you've seen. Mm-hmm. Now, in some cases, a newer evaluator will emulate what they've seen on video. But Liz, dude, so the girl's got more experience than I do uh, so as an instructor, and she's seen a lot. So she had – I know anytime I act like a dumb student, like I'm about to with you in the very near future. Um, <laughs> have you thought about that? You know, I haven't had time to think about it, really. Yeah. I mean, I know it's on the list of stuff that's going to come up. Yeah, this I, I'm, I'm working on dates but, in my brain. But yeah, we'll I will, cross uh, that bridge when we get to it. No worried about it. I have a series of doctor's appointments coming up, and after I figure out what's going on with that, then I'll let you know. So I'm having a sex change. I'm going to be, become a man finally. Do they still yes. call? Do they, is that still the right word? Uh, I, don't I think, think it's so. a sexual reassignment surgery. Yeah, you Whoa. bigot. I thought it was a gender <laughs> reassignment. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you guys are both. Damn it. Now who's racist? Closed-minded racists. Man, have you you seen The Cabin uh, with Burt Kreischer? No. I like Burt Kreischer in interviews, but any of his stand-up stuff, I'm not a fan of, man. Really? Seriously. Okay. Straight up, dude. It's hard for me to watch that man do stand-up with a shirt off. <laughs> then don't watch he's, the cabin. He's, he's a bit, yeah, he's a bit annoying and... But I do like him in interviews, like on podcasts. I love listening to yeah. the guy, but he's just one of those guys. I've never man. watched his stand-up uh, outside of maybe a couple minutes here and there. Um, I watched The Cabin, and first of all, if you don't like to see him with a shirt off, don't watch The Cabin because there are plenty is, of naked scenes of is him. Is The Cabin, like, is this a proper movie? No, it's a TV series, like a Netflix series, maybe five or six episodes. I work too much. I work too hard. I talk to my wife. I need to take a break. So I'm going to go up to the mountains and get a cabin and zen out. And what he does is... So it's it's like reality TV. And he ends up inviting like two or three friends every episode. And today we're going to uh, skin an emu and barbecue and cook it. And I mean, the the crap they do is really interesting. Uh, But he had... um, Is it Caitlyn Jenner? Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner on the show and and it was it was a really interesting interview said and done they talked about bert i think asked i forget i forget what the conversation was how it started but caitlin that's bruce jenner's current name right i get confused to yeah you're right with all the kardashian how dare you dead name i know dude oh man i don't know your name when you walk into my house screw you (laughs) uh caitlin said when did you know you're a man 
Wait, Caitlin said this? To Bert. When oh, did okay. you know you were a man? And it was a really interesting question. And the evolution of that whole gender assignment. And it's like, well, it's not that I am or am not gay or I am or am not whatever. It's I truly identified myself as a woman. I didn't realize that. So it was an interesting question. And it, it made me think a little bit differently about. So you have some doctor's appointments coming up. Yeah, I do, man. I do. It's a, I'm going to finally become a man. When did you know that you were a man? Uh, I'm not one yet. I'm working on it. I am. Um, I feel like that's what most of us would say, right? I mean, when did you, I mean, it's, it's an inter- interesting question because it's a good way to flip the conversation on, on someone else in a way that they maybe haven't thought about. Yeah. I can but, honestly say I've known I've been a man for a long time because I've been raised to question my values, my morals, my, my beliefs very strongly and i've strongly questioned my sexuality i've strongly questioned would i like a man do i like men do i let me look at that that's that's just sad wieners are just sad <laughs> looking dude. i've never <laughs> seen a penis and not been depressed immediately afterwards dude i see like just a partial naked curve of a woman's torso i'm like oh what's up how you doing girl and i don't care if the curve goes in or out i just love them dude. as long as it's curvy <laughs> No, like straight board women too. Like, have you met my wife? She's kind of a toothpick. Um, no, so I, I legitimately question how I feel, who I am, what I identify as. Um, and I think if you don't, it's unfair to yourself. Like, I mean, what you identify as? That's, such a, that's just a hard question for my brain to ponder. Because like, I've done the same thing of like, man, do I like dudes? Nope, don't like dudes. Like, just like I've, I've tried to put myself there mentally just to see like, man, a you know, you, you learn that gay people are, are uh, you know, that that's a, a real thing. And it's like, man, do I, would I know if I was? Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I would know you if would. I was. <laughs> but uh, I've never had to think about identifying as a man. To me, that's just been an understood thing of like, yeah, I got these parts. I'm supposed to open the door for the lady and take the garbage out. And that's what my mom taught me to do. So I've always known I'm a man. Physio- physiologically, I'm, I'm a man. It's obvious. I look down, I got a dingling. It's there. It's this real world <laughs> what, thing. What does it mean to you to identify as a man? What That's does that what mean? I'm pondering <sighs> now. Yeah. Like, how do you feel deep inside? Right. It's like, okay, so if you were to think, could I be a woman? Am I a woman trapped inside of this body? Thank you. No. No, I'm not. I think that right there, you know, if you can say that. Or question it. Be like wondering, right? Like you would know it. Right. I, yeah, like I, I think I feel like I would definitely know if I was trapped in the wrong body, yes. like as a gender. So I hear mm-hmm. of three types of friends who are gay who've had problems with gender or sexual identity, whether whether it's sexuality or whether it's gender. I have three different types of friends. One who say I've known it my whole life and I just uh, either openly dealt with it or uh, kind of hid it until I was ready to, to be public about it. Two was, I guess that's one and two, and the third one was the one who just never quite realized it because they grew up in an oppression that didn't allow them to identify that way. A, a great example, I grew up in a very Baptist Christian family, and and I could believe that I have friends who were gay who who were trained to believe it was wrong and a sin and immoral, and so they never could choose or think to identify as gay, and when they got away from that influence, they started thinking they started, like you said, truly questioning inside. So, yeah, I'm with you, Nick, the physiology of looking down and going like, man, that's two balls and a cock. For sure, I'm a dude. But deep down inside, I'm not going to judge Caitlyn Jenner for, for believing that she is a woman or he is a man, whatever anybody's belief is, whether they choose to change or, or not change, I'm going to respect it. And so I 
as no, I, I fully believe in any person's individual right to be, do, or <clears throat> say anything that they want until it infringes on another person's ability to do the same thing. Yeah. It's like, dude, I have (laughs) tattoos on my hands and I wear women's stretchy pants in public. Like, dude, yeah, do, do you do whatever you want to do. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, But I, I, I'm just, I'm only questioning her question of when did you think you were a man? It's like, Oh, do I have to like, when did you know you were a man? (laughs) This is a weird question. I, I, I am struggling to answer it for myself, I guess is why I think it's an odd question. I think for Mm -hmm. me, it's not an odd question because I grew up in a suppressed society. And I think if you grew up in a suppressed society, it's a question you never truly asked yourself where I think maybe you grew up more open-minded and and with a more open process. So I don't think it's something that's ever been a question for you where I I believe I've shared on the show my original feeling about gay friends. And for the longest time, I just thought gay, wrong, horrible. And I worked at Olive Garden and we were hooking up with a bunch of buddies one night after work at a bar to go to a club. Makes sound like you were all making out with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, guys and gals. And the first person there that night was one of the uh, uh, back, uh, the the kitchen uh, servers. And he was the gay guy in the group. And I just like, at the time could care less for him because he was gay but now i'm stuck at the bar waiting for my friends with this dude and i'm kind of awkward about it yeah, and kill some time make out yeah <laughs> no so he offered to, he offered to buy me a drink i'm like i don't drink but i'll take a coke um not cocaine i'll take a coke he bought me a beverage and we sat there and we shot the breeze and we talked and i'm like Wow, you're pretty cool. Like he, I found out he was a real human being. He was a he was a dude. He was like he was How just like How old me. were you at this time, DJ? 18. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, remember I grew up in a very very conservative Baptist family. Um I went I I went to Bible college. I people on the show know okay. this. I don't think you knew this. But no. No, I really think you're describing any person who has a prejudice of any sort. Like when you actually sure. get to know whether it's racism or homophobia or or transphobia, whatever it is, like if I sat down with a trans person who was into having a chit chat, yeah, we'd I, I'm sure I would I would bond with that person and have a good conversation and understand more about what it is that makes them who they are. But I think that that's a, no- a normal thing, right? You you talk to your first gay person, you talk, you know what whatever it is. I think that's a normal thing to break through. Uh I don't even know how we started down this road. I oh yeah, you, you questioning your sexuality. <laughs> you had some doctor's appointments coming up. I have a sh- I, uh, I have shoulder problems going on. You know my doctor problems. You, I think you assumed it was for Squirrel. my shoulder. I assumed it was. Yeah, but I, uh, I I have some severe shoulder pain going on. I think sexual reassignment uh, surgery is better. It just sounded way more <laughs> yeah, fun it's, because it's just stupid. It's definitely a more entertaining tangent to go off. On. Yeah, like I had a shoulder surgery seven years ago. I called my orthopedic surgeon's office. Like, hey, have you seen Doctor Sitter before? I'm like, uh, yeah. She pulled up my records like oh yeah you've been here you've had surgery i'm like yeah no it's it's the same shoulder so i'm pretty sure he'll know something about it what are you having done um i don't know this is the first visit um fortunately my health insurance does not require me to go see my primary care before i go to a specialist i'm going straight to the specialist um my left arm is numb i'd say a minimum of 50 percent of the day um, I have pain in my left arm probably 90% of the day. I probably have 100% of the pain time, but the low pain is just so normal now. I don't really regard it, but there's times, at least two or three times a day, I stop anything I'm doing. I just sit there and just focus on getting through how much it hurts. Um, Damn. My, I, I'll get swelling all <clears> the way <throat> down into my elbow, and if I touch and push in certain parts here, the pain that goes up my arm. So I think I have something pinched in there. 
Um, I have no clue what it is. Uh, my whole labrum was torn off at some point. I think you know some of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just, it's time to go get it looked at and say, am, do I just need physical therapy? Do I need another surgery? Do I have a tumor in my shoulder blade? I don't think it's that, but it technically could be. It's not a tumor. <laughs> it's not a tumor. I, I, I want it to be a tumor just so I can say that. It's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you won't be able to say that because it would be a tumor. Be a it's a tumor. Yeah, I hope it's not a tumor so I could. Yeah, there, there you go. go. You remember yeah, what okay. movie that's from? Uh, Junior. Uh, Kindergarten no, Cop. Ki- yes. Oh, boom. Yeah, so Jimmy's got Isn't it. Junior one of the guy's names in that movie? No, that was another Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> okay. Him and Danny DeVito. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Named Junior, I think, isn't it? Twins. That's right. Yeah, he, that's when he got pregnant. That's what that oh was. My gosh, that's that's right. when Schwarzenegger was pregnant. That, that was, was Junior. That was such a <laughs> weird movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, man, it's uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, transgender before it was cool, <laughs> given <laughs> given birth. That's what's up. Yeah, like all True these pioneer. epic, mega, like super macho roles he does, and then he goes and gets pregnant. Like just, <laughs> it's just weird how. And that's why it worked. Yeah. Well, it's just weird how people have like the, he's followed this action packed hero thing. All of a sudden, he does all these really stupid comedies. It works. He does a good job. <clears throat> so you you pay attention. You you had Scooter. You changed a lot of instructors. Did you not Scooter uh, Liz? Liz. Yeah. Uh, did you choose to ask for different instructors, or nope. you ju- just just nope. assigned it? Yep, I just showed up, and uh, so I got Liz the first time, and then man, I joined or started my course at the worst possible time of year. It was constantly weathered out, constantly windy. I think I started towards the end of October and finished up on January first. So, and I was there a lot of times during the week, every weekend, just about, and I would stay pretty much sun up to sundown and a lot of just sitting around because the clouds and the weather and the wind, all that good stuff. We did seven jumps before. We didn't have a license at eight jumps, but they treated you as if you had a license at eight jumps and you could do whatever you wanted. Uh, so my wind limits applied to seven jumps, and I had done six jumps in the first weekend, and then I sat at the DZ for a month straight, mm. waiting for the winds to be like do their two miles over what I can jump. I was I was respectful. I didn't mind. Um, I did a lot of reading, a lot of learning. Yeah. I, I, I helped anywhere I could. Uh, God, it, it sucked, dude. But I enjoyed the culture. Yeah. So, um, who else did you have during your student program? Kyle Schoonover. Yeah. Uh, Dale St. Arbor. Yeah. I remember Dale. Um, man. Oh, uh, John Barry. So, yeah. Man, I'm your grandpappy. I I taught some of those guys to be instructors. So, uh, Kyle actually lives just a couple miles down the road from me. Uh, Joe Getty. I forgot. Yeah. I think I went through the entire Rolodex at the time. Yeah. Man, there was a lot of good instructors around back then. Today, not so much because you're on staff. I know it's like <laughs> scraping the bottom now. But how does how does it feel to be um, teaching people in, in the program in which you learned? It's very cool. It's Deep. it's super awesome. Shut up, Billy. Keep going. <laughs> Who's Billy? Oh, William. William Doherty. Yes, uh. he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's it's really it's kind of surreal a little bit because this was, you know, it's when I went to become a tunnel instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was kind of my first taste of the surreality of the whole thing. Is that even a surrealism? Uh, I like surreality? it. Surreality. Surreality. I yeah. feel smarter for hearing yeah. it. So. I'll use but, it uh, again. <laughs> so um, 
that was cool because I remember a few instructors coming in and getting coaching with me. And these were instructors that had actually taught me how to skydive. And so I was teaching them a little bit of like sit, fly, back, fly, things like that. And that was a really neat thing. And now it's kind of come full circle and it's cool. Let's talk about the tunnel a little bit. What, uh, when, when did you start working there? Uh, August of 2015. So it had been open for the... Uh, yeah, about eight months. Eight months, all yeah. right. And how many jumps did you have at that point? Uh, about 400. Did you Had you flown in the tunnel much before you went there no. for a job? Nope. That much? Not at all? No, I had... Um, I flew... The first time I ever went to the tunnel was in Austin, not long after they had opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2012, t- totally I think? Totally sucked ass. That was really, really bad. Really? Dude, I was so good the first time I got in the tunnel? Yeah. Yeah, no, most people so are. Hard. Most people are really, really good. Uh, <laughs> no, I was ex- like exceptionally bad. Really, um, I couldn't even belly fly in there, and it was horrible. I had Antonio. You remember Antonio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Antonio. Yeah. Bro. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Um, so that taught me a lot right then. Like, okay, it's not like I went in with a big ego or an attitude because I usually don't walk around like that. But it taught me how much I didn't know, and that was a challenge. And I was like, all right. I want to do this some more, but the tunnel's really, really freaking expensive. So uh, took some time off, and then everybody was saying, "Hey, go to Utah. That's where you know everybody goes." So we went up there. I did like forty-five minutes up there. Kind of learned to sit fly during that time. Then went back, and then before they opened up Memorial, uh, so I had less than an hour probably of tunnel time before they opened Memorial. And then I did a like three hours with John Walker. Mm-hmm. And he saw just how horribly bad I was. <laughs> this was like one on one coaching with him? Yes. What, this is once you had started working there? No, this was before, before I started. Okay, working great. There. Uh, but the tunnel had, they were pretty much all my friends that I already knew that were working there. And so I'd made the joke a couple times about, you know, working there, which I never ever thought I would actually do it. And then, um, you know, like I said, tunnel expensive. So my wife was like, you're going to have to get a job there. And yeah, so she kind of gave me the kick in the ass that I needed to uh, move along in my uh, career field. What was life like as a new tunnel instructor? Uh, had a great crew there. I mean, seriously, it was some of the best uh, flyers, great friends. Uh, it was the Wild West, though, for sure. Wild West in what sense? Uh, some of the instructors were just kind of like, here, let's uh, learn to do this now. And it's like, well, I don't think I have the fundamentals. And they're like, let's do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was getting, you know, kind of banged around quite a bit, but it was all good. So I kind of learned in that little bit of that Wild West mentality of uh, fuck it, just huck it and see what happens. So, What, what did you enjoy most about, about being an instructor, but actually working there? <clears throat> Flying. <laughs> so straight up I, like, I, like I, there's this optimistic yeah. part of me that, that, nope. that wants someone to yep. answer that question with oh man it was actually really good to connect with people and yeah but i i like that's my big interest in the tunnel and the, the, you know the reason i've done the work that i've done mm-hmm. for them so, yeah it's, it's a cheaper way to get into the yeah. wind right that's that i'll be honest that was my main goal the whole time you know like well at the beginning it was and it was like i need to be able to fly without paying for it that's what i need to do how were the rules on staff flight time when you started? What rules? Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. 
it was a uh, yeah we would stay open late after hours and everybody would fly it was a lot of fun i think you really cool. partook back in those days of midnight when, jams when they first but of opened. course all staff time was logged it was always logged always logged and no one ever went over no when they first <laughs> opened uh i had a fair bit of trade with them okay and uh they were letting me basically use my trade time at the same time that everyone was doing staff flight time. Okay. And uh, people were pretty generous about sharing their staff flight time. I think it was before, you know, there was a time when uh, I think in Austin it had really gotten out of hand where instructors were using their staff flight time to uh, barter with people of like, hey, will you repair my car and I'll give mm-hmm. you the staff flight time? And it just kind of got out of hand and uh, lots of people who weren't staff were flying this, this staff time. And I, so I think that that was the, the great reckoning. Gypped. The good old days. I just got to fly in the tunnel. I didn't get any goods out. Wait a minute. They had to work to get the tunnel time. Crap. Never no, mind. Yeah, they were just using <laughs> it as, as trade for, for other other people. I, my brain processed that backwards. I thought they got their car fixed and they got to fly no, in the tunnel. No, that'd be great. That was so ass backwards, man. <laughs> Let me have another scotch. Jimmy, you want to join me? But no, it, was, uh, it was a really great time. I, th- I mean, it seems like the attitude of uh, the tunnel instructors and how happy people are with their job is pretty connected to how much they get to fly. Because it just like what Jimmy said, it's just like that, that's what you go there for, right? That's why you take this low-paying job that uh, you know doesn't give you a ton of money and can kind of ask a lot of your body because it lets you do this thing that's otherwise... Uh, very difficult or impossible for some of us to do. So, uh, so I think that that was a time where you know you described it the Wild West, but I think most people were pretty pretty happy and oh yeah and learning quite a bit. Oh, and, for sure, uh, yeah. It was uh, I mean, because there was an abundance of staff time to be flown, and you know, it's like you would never ever get tired of it. You just wanted to fly all the time. And then one of the things that I one of the reasons I didn't want to become an instructor is because I was like, ah, now I got to deal with people. I got to talk to the public. (laughs) And I've never been like a people person. Um, You know, like once I get to know you, yeah, I'm great. But I've never been good at like just talking to people and getting up in front and having to teach a class to 15 strangers and everybody's looking at you. So that was weird for about two days and then I Hmm. fell into it and I realized, you know what? I'm really, really fucking good at talking to people and it was cool. And I found out I was a very good salesman and yeah, act like you know what you're doing and people will follow. So, Hmm. um, but yeah, so that opened up like a whole part of me that, you know, I'd always just kind of like a little introverted and whatnot and doing that. Like I said, it only took, you know, a couple classes and I was like, you know what? Yeah. I think I made the right decision. This is really cool. If Boo can do this, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he is about uh, engaging as a personality as he comes out. Yeah. When it comes to that teaching Boo part, is an intense individual. I love that man. Dude. I, I, uh, uh, Boo is also a very polarizing individual. I'll be very real about that statement. I get along with him great. We're actually really good friends, and I can agree that he's polarizing. Um, I think part of it is he's, such, he's got so much energy, and he places it everywhere. <laughs> he places it all over the place. But I can see him being really good with the classes most of the time. Boo has given the most thorough classes I have ever seen. Uh, he will teach you about the history of flight. And, um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, like yeah. total backstory. Yeah, he's, he is something else. Uh, yeah. They actually involved him with the STEM program a lot, didn't they? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, everybody took their you know turns in the STEM. 
STEM can be fun when you have students that want to be engaged. There's like a certain age. Like the little kids, awesome. Once you get about 15, 16, they don't care. Or they're talking (laughs) and you're a dork and you look stupid in that suit. (laughs) But once they're a little bit older, (laughs) it's kind of like, oh, okay, they're interested again. So there's like a fine, there's a fine little line there. Um, I never saw anything over like maybe eight years old when I saw STEM. Oh, really? No, we, uh, yeah, we go the gambit. I mean, it pretty much goes from, I don't know, like six or seven at the youngest all the way up to seniors, so. I loved watching the eight-year-olds and the, the, the younger kids when you guys were doing stuff because they were so mesmerized and in awe by the water floating in the tunnel. Dude, the water is awesome. I was going to say, I, I never tunnel? got tired of the water. The water oh, was the, the best thing. Yes. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, also for our dummies, what is STEM? It is the... Uh, oh, man. I'm Science, sorry. technology, yeah. engineering, yeah. math. Yep. Oh. It's what they... Uh, all the the science fields that they want kids to get into. Gotcha. Basically, they're programs to help attract kids to those industries. Oh, right, where they're doing like the experiments in the tunnel with like the balls and stuff. Yep. Okay. So go learn physics. Hey, check it out. This is the physics of a wind tunnel. This is something that you could get interested in. Maybe you should become an engineer and learn how to design this machine. Okay. Or maybe you should become a broke loser and work in them. Sorry, we're on both sides of this fence. (laughs) It's a... It's a labor of love, skydiving, indoor or outdoor. It is not a labor of uh, being rich because I'm pretty sure you're not driving a Mercedes because you work in the wind tunnel. You, you might because you own one. Yeah, there's a, there's a few um, people that work in the wind tunnel that drive Mercedes and BMWs. Did they already have that before? Yeah, they did. Okay, okay. <laughs> a bunch of... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, like, it's, I live in a nice house, not because I'm a full-time skydiver, yeah. but because I'm married to a beautiful yeah, woman. Yeah, I remember seeing that Maserati parked out there. Shout out to JDF. Mm. You remember Jason? At the tunnel, yeah. Jason David Frank yeah, working yeah, yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, when you said Maserati parked out there, I was thinking of my driveway. I'm like, yeah, me too. I was like, wait, wait. When did you start driving a Maserati, <laughs> dude? That truck you had was a nice little truck. Yeah, but man, right. Maserati, what the hell? Big time. So how long did you work in the tunnel for? A uh, little over five years. Oh, sorry. A little over five years. Now you were good there. So at first you were kind of deterred or, 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 or intimidated by the new jumper by giving classes. By mm-hmm. the end, what did you enjoy the most? Honestly, taking first-timers and when you actually connect with a flyer and you see that spark kind of go off and they're really into it and they're listening and they are responding. And when you have someone that you're like, okay, now do this, and they actually start flying on their own and you see the excitement, I feed off that excitement too. Um, whether it's a kid, whether it's you know an adult, that's what I. That was the best part. How often did you see a new flyer a get that engaged? Was it like a once or twice a day thing? Or no, not no. even that often. Once a week. Uh, yeah, maybe once or twice a week. Okay. And how often did you find a, a new flyer, not a skydiver, somebody complete wuffo, not not a jumper at all, get engaged and come back and and become a return flyer and. And see it more than a few times. Uh, you would see it quite a bit. Okay. Um, and what's really cool is, you know, I had I've turned a lot of people on to skydiving that are now skydivers, or they've at least gone through the course, or you know, partially through the course, because I would push it, you know, constantly. Um, 
if someone was really, really interested, you know, I'd, of course I'd give them my card and I was like, hey, you know, if you want to skydive, blah, 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 do the real thing. But, uh, you know, I'd say that after I sold them a return pack. So I got my commission and I'd get them <laughs> back in. But uh, yeah, after a few times, you know, send them out that way. And uh, yeah, so quite a few times. And I still run into quite a few jumpers to this day, you know, that I've sent. Who have you got hooked? Don't name the bad ones. Only name the good ones. <laughs> who have I got hooked? Yeah. Who, who do we see out here that you might have known oh, as a newer man, flyer? I'm so bad with names, dude. The, a, names and B, how many people have you gone through becomes very quickly. It, yeah. It's confusing. It's very confusing. So five years in the tunnel, basically up till this year. I'm going to guess the end of your tunnel career was kind of the end of a lot of people's careers this year, and it was COVID? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, we worked up, which was strange <clears throat> because the tunnel actually stayed open a couple weeks after like certain rest- some restaurants and other things were closing down. And that was a little odd because it was like, man, who's bringing their family to come to a wind tunnel to fly when there's this, you know, we're on the cusp of this pandemic that everyone's freaking out about. So I worked the very last shift all the way up. Um, and we were given the option, you know, if we didn't feel safe, if we didn't feel comfortable, we did not have to work. We could take our, you know, PTO, all that. And I felt like we were probably going to be shut down for a bit. So I was like, I'm going to make as much money as I can while I can. So that's what I did. And then, you know, once we shut down, it lasted a little bit longer than I was planning. And then when I was asked if I wanted to return, which was, you know, when they were just about to open back up, um, given the conditions and the stipulations, I wasn't too fond of it. So I told them, you know, I politely declined and said, uh, how about you come back around to me? Keep me in mind, but, mm, you know, hand this off to someone else if you would, please. And yeah, kind of went about that. And then one thing led to another Went out to West Texas for a while, made some money out there. So let's go backwards a little bit now, because last year you did your AFF course November-ish, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, you, even before that, talked about getting your AFF rating. Yeah, we talked about it on multiple occasions, and the timing just never worked out. I mean, it straight up was your work schedule and a course schedule just don't jam. It's a seven-day course. You basically have to take a week of vacation to take this AFF course. Uh, You finally get it done. So it's obvious, at least to me or apparent to me, that you had some interest in working in the outdoor industry, in the skydive industry. Oh, for sure. And that's one of the things I've always said is I love the tunnel. The tunnel is super convenient. It's 10 minutes from my house. And flying for free, no matter what the weather's like, was always cool. And it was really hard to kind of pull myself away from that. But my first love out of the two was skydiving. And that's the reason I started going to the tunnel was to get better at skydiving. Uh, And then, you know, just kind of got sucked into the tunnel like a lot of people do. And yeah, I needed that kick in the ass called COVID to kind of get me out of there. So. That, and I'm sure Grimace motivated you to be out here a lot, so... For sure. Yeah. Uh, do you know who Grimace is? I mean, if we're talking about a Sesame Street character... Nick, uh, it's no, that's a McDonald's yeah, character. Oh, it is, but sorry. Yeah. It's, a fucking, it's a purple puppet. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Nick Serrera's hands get purple, and so there's a lot of purple hand jokes. We have like a purple thumbs up emoji between the three of us now. Hmm. Uh, Nick, Nick Serrera called, called him Grimace and make fun of his hands, because uh, just in general, make fun of Nick Serrera, which... 
Dude, I like Nick Ferreira. Most people he's do. My boy, they usually make fun of him. I got your back, Nick Ferreira. I bet you listening. He's gonna hear this. Oh, he's he's listening mainly because we're supposed to reveal the. the he's already of, he's uh, texting me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh, already he, been he going is on. your father though. This is true. Yeah. No, no, no. Jimmy is Nick's father. Oh, well, he's your son. That's well, great. Keep it in the family. We're not sure. Me and his mom had a thing going on a while back. Congratulations. <laughs> At a uh, well, uh, picked at a Penguins game. Yeah, it, that that's the yeah Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick's a huge huge hockey fan, and he was. I don't know what the group is called who supports the team, but like when Nick 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 learned to skydive here, he was here for a while. Went back to Pennsylvania, and he was part of. I want to call them the cheer squad. They're not really the cheer squad. Oh, gr- yeah, groupies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They literally. Yeah, I think they were the called the, the cheerleaders. I think <laughs> is what you call them. Well, dude, he looked good in that skirt, man. He's got the calves for it. Ugh, they're so <laughs> veiny and. Ugh. Um. Yeah, they're like you know the crew who goes out and yells and pumps you up and shoots the stupid cannons at people. The t-shirt cannon. Yeah, they the, they head up the pep rally. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's got to be a cheerleader. Is there, is <laughs> yeah, there a better a cheerleader? Name? Yeah, I guess that's what cheerleader hockey yeah. cheerleaders are. So. The uh, the culture club. What do you? I don't know. What's the? How do you yeah, call them that without insulting them? Uh, hockey sissies, I think, is what they call them. <laughs> I, I think. I don't know. I, I call them groupies. So, um, God, I forget what we. We're just making fun of Nick. That's a general <laughs> just up at all. Uh, so, at what point did you realize that you wanted to get your AFF rating? Uh, quite a few years ago. Yeah, it's something that's always kind of... Were you already a tunnel instructor? Uh, yeah, it's probably like when I first became a tunnel instructor is when I was thinking about it. And then, you know, talking to a few people, they were like, hey, this would be a pretty good, you know, thing. And the tunnel takes up a lot of your life. Just, it's like any other job, you know, it's like a full-time job. So I really couldn't pursue it. And, yeah. So, you know, you just kind of get sucked into one thing, and I did, and I really wish I would have done it, you know, years ago, just like anything so else. So Nick Sierra, I'm going to butcher that, so it's the ice crew. The ice crew, and Nick Serrero was the ice queen. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, gosh. <laughs> Gee, golly, gosh. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Opie. That, that doesn't really describe it very well. Like if you said, oh, yeah, Nick Serrero went back, you know, he was the ice crew I think, for the Penguins. Yeah, the ice fairies. Because they, 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 they would, someone's next question would be like, the ice crew, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I like you, yeah, vanilla ice groupie. <laughs> it's cheerleaders. <laughs> okay. It's, They're like, oh, got it. <laughs> uh, bizarre. Uh, how do you feel like your experience as a tunnel instructor uh, helped you in becoming an AFF instructor? All, all those high flights paid off? Oh, for sure. Uh, like controlling. I've never, you know, had a student get away from me, escape, you know, even on some really botched exits, you know, a lot of flipping around and whatnot. I always, you know, knew that I could outfly pretty much anybody and knock on wood, you know, that's how it's been so far. Who um, did your eval jumps? Who did your practice jumps during your course? Fudala. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just sorry. You said you could outfly anybody. I'm pretty sure we could prove you wrong. Oh, well, I'm just saying the ones that I've come across. Yeah, no, and I, honestly, I think the evaluators are probably going to fly worse than any first-time students that you get. Uh, that's how I feel. So the majority of the candidates I've trained will say you were worse than any of my students ever have been. But there is about a third of them who say, no, wait till you have that one. Yeah. And that third will say, I will never can be bad enough to be what they've seen. 
Um, I, I just trained a guy. Uh, what's the dude's name from Atlanta? Really nice. Luke. Luke, really nice Brit fellow. Remember him? Came yeah, out. Luke and uh, Zoe. Is Zoe, lady. yeah, yeah. Super cool uh, group. Uh, he is super strong flyer. Super good job in his course. Chris Vidal taught the course. I was just an evaluator. It was opposite of yours where like I was technically in charge. He taught the whole course. He said, I need you to show up on Thursday for jumps. I'm like, okay, I'll show up Thursday. It was the sweetest thing to be like the guy not in charge to just be a slacky. Um, and it's uh, every now and then I meet somebody who, remember the term fix yourself, fix your student? Yep. So, Nick, you'll, you'll understand this term as we go throughout. If you and I leave, if, if I leave with a student on an exit, I'm a single instructor, and the piece goes and tumbles, my goal ultimately is to hold real strong grips and trust my grips and just fly myself belly to the relative wind and know that my grips can probably take me with them. I'm not going to wrestle them. I'm going to fly and just let them come with me, and it'll really work. Um, something that I don't recommend to most people, to you I think I probably recommended it, is if you're on your back and the student's on your back, if you're good at layouts, you can just do a layout over the student. A lot of guys try it in the course and they suck at it. You get these dynamic flyers, these tunnel flyers. I do layouts or something I always knew how to do. I didn't realize they were called layouts in 2001, but we would flip students that way. And you, you we tell you, like, try to fly through it, but you only try twice. It's like any other thing. After so, you try twice, move on. But you mean I'm, I'm stuck on my back. I've got grips on the student. So I'm just going to think about extending my legs and coming up over the student? Yep. Yep. Cool. So I, I hear instructors regularly, and I say instructors, tunnel instructors, or high-level flyers say, I will own you on this exit. There is nothing. Like I'm telling them, like, fix yourself, fix your student. What it means is you've tried twice to fix your student, and you can't fly through it. And after two attempts of flying through it, you let go with one grip. You correct your body position. You're now belly to earth. The student's back to earth. And then you just simply roll them over and say, okay, now, now we're back where we belong. I couldn't do it the hard way, so I'll do it the easy way, so to speak. Um, and it's so funny because every now and then I get an instructor who tells me or can't. He's like, I'll crush you on this exit. Like, y There's no way you can stick this on your back. No way at all. I'm like oh okay that's that that's great I I not lost that battle yet so hmm. I'm ready to fight Nick I'm real ready to fight um, let's do it dude <laughs> you know I'm not gonna be that cocky person who says that shit I'll I, say let's go on the ride I, and I'm it's gonna be your responsibility to teach me how to fix it let's go I have a feeling you're gonna be like Luke Carney I think that was his last name Luke uh, said man I'm gonna take the challenge and I'm gonna do my best to win but I know the process if I don't. And Luke went out and gave it every raw, strong effort he could. And I think you were probably the same way. And after he tried what he knew he could try, he said, oh, okay, well, I'll take the lesson that they, they're handing to me and I'll, I'll learn from it. So fix yourself, fix your student. It, it, we can definitely take students on rides, but there's no doubt, I, I do agree with you, not to take away from your point, that most new jumpers you're going to be able to manhandle if you have a flying, a, a strong flying skill set. And, and a tunnel instructor... On a busy day as a tunnel instructor, you could see 30 to 40 first-time flyers. Is that a fair statement? On one day? Yeah. Oh, yeah, as a yeah. tunnel instructor. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. As a sure. busy AFF instructor, man, I've done 13 AFF jumps in a day, and that's the most I've done in a day, AFF jumps. Dude, no, that, there's a huge, exponentially, you learn a lot more in the tunnel. I mean, a little bit different manipulation, different mm -hmm. positions, but you learn to fly them. So you... Man, I'm sorry I got so sidetracked. I sidetracked you. You uh, you felt pretty comfortable coming into the course, coming into the rating, because you can handle things. Yeah, I felt like I was, you know, I had a, you know, a little bit of a lead there uh, coming in. But I definitely, I mean, you know, I wasn't cocky coming in. I was like, you know, I hope to do my best. Let's see what happens. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I felt pretty good about it. I will give you credit to that, that last statement, no doubt. I see two type of tunnel instructors come out of the tunnel into the AFF course. And they're, they're by far two types. Number one, I'm a tunnel instructor. I got this. Number two, I'm a tunnel instructor. I know how bad crap can get. Let's go. Like They're, they're ready to learn. And by far, you knew you didn't know a lot about skydiving outside, and you were very receptive. You were very, you were a good student. You were very easy to teach. You were very, very open. So um, I hope most people can take that lesson away because, I mean, five years as a tunnel instructor, you knew something. Oh, yeah. You had a good skill set. And I saw your flying in the course. You had a strong skill set. You definitely had a good enough of a skill set that you could have had an ego and justified it a little bit. It's never justifiable. But no, you're very humble. So you knew right after you became a tunnel instructor, AFF was a goal of yours. Yeah. Corona kicked you in the butt and said, it's time, let's go. You decided you needed to get work, and uh, Eric Jackson, I always want to call him Michael Eric because of face space. Yeah. Eric Jackson uh, owns Skydive El Paso. Uh, dude, that plane is gorgeous. It sure is. Dude, what, what kind of plane is that? It's a Kodiak. I always thought it was a caravan because I never looked at it closely until I looked at it closely and said, that's not a caravan. Yeah. Uh, Kodiak. Who makes the Kodiak? Is Kodiak Quest. the... Quest. Okay, Quest Kodiak. How many people does that plane hold? Uh, we... I want to say we top it out at 10. Oh, wow. It is smaller than I thought it was. Well, it... That's only half of the seating area, but it is extremely uh, tail heavy. It's a bush plane. Uh, so the CG on it, we really have to crowd towards up towards the pilot. So you could you could fit more people in it, but eh, 10 is, I feel, probably pretty decent right there. It may be 12. I may be wrong. but As you guys got higher off the ground, did you spread out a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, once seatbelts come off, we would move, but yeah. So you never had a crowded plane there? No. Well, in that case, no. There was room towards the rear of the plane, towards the tail of the plane, but we were so crowded up towards the pilot. So it was quite a, you know, it's not the most comfortable thing up until seatbelts off, and then we, then we could space out. What altitude? I, I don't have any judgment to any DZ, but I'm, I'm curious to the environment. What altitude did they take seatbelts off there? 15. Okay. It's for the longest time, 1,000 was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so good to see that that is a very normal answer. Yep. Uh, Elsa, I was going to call you Liz. Elsa, do you know what plane we're talking about? Scott, I've El Paso. Have you seen yes, pictures of it? Yes, it's like Tiger. Bad kitty. Yeah. Dude, it looks like Tony the effing Tiger, dude. It it's is really pretty. I just It's shiny myself. and it's beautiful. You just did what? Unplugged himself. Yeah. I just jacked something, I guess. Are you in one ear but not both ears? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a. Uh, I got to get under Nick's lap here in a second. Ooh, so. that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep talking, mm-hmm. boy. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you uh, went out to El Paso. How much time did you spend out there? Uh, three months, almost to the day. Okay, and did they they went through the entire uh, COVID thing? They didn't shut down. Uh, no, they did. They had shut down they for had. a little while. Yeah. Okay. And they. Uh, it came on for a second, DJ. <laughs> Some DJs. Screwing around with cables. Oh, we're getting It's coming there. and going. It's com- Now it's gone. <laughs> You're so close. Uh, now it's in one area. I feel, oh. I feel like we're having a sexual adventure. I know. Oh, exactly it's close. Right. Keep going. You're so close. Nope, I lost it. Just you, a little twist. Nope, it's not going to happen. You have one ear? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, you know that new cable I keep needing to buy? Yeah. I haven't bought it yet. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> that cable is Sorry, bad. guys. Yeah. Um, find the taped up jacked cable. You can find it under your right shoulder, under your right knee, and you'll fill a taped bundle. It's that. Yep. That's it. It's no. Uh, uh, <laughs> so close. I, <laughs> Dude, it's like all over the place. Yeah. I don't know what happened. The the It's an extension, and the, the female part of the cable is really loose, and so when you stand it's like worn out, man. It's like throwing a hot dog down a hall. Uh, there we go, Nick. Shit. Now I got nothing. <laughs> hey, wait. Talk, DJ. Talk, DJ. (laughs) (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. I'm about to have an ear seizure. No, we're good. Okay. We're going to touch it after that. Don't touch it. Nick, do not fart because right underneath (laughs) you, man. Well, I've been sneaking them out over here all night. I'll try not to take my shirt off. Uh, You're not Tex. That's his job. Okay. El Paso, three months. And uh, what, what sort of stuff were you doing there? Uh, AFF and video. Okay. So had had you used your AFF rating much before you went out there? Mm, Nope. How many AFF jumps would you say you had? Uh, around about uh, zero. Oh, yeah, okay, I great. Nine if I fresh, yeah. fresh start. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, because I actually finished up and got the rating came in at the beginning of COVID. So, and are they doing a single instructor progression out there? Uh, it is two instructors uh, for the first three jumps. Okay. Yeah. Traditional AFF then. Yep. And I, I love hearing like when you came back. One of the things you told me right away is three straight weeks of nonstop AFF is how you started. Mm-hmm. I love that baptism by fire. I love the fact that you get in there and you you really get immersed in the system. Yep. How did the first a like what what was the first AFF jump you did? What category? What level? What whatever? Uh, I want to say it was like a it was like a cat D or something. Single it instructor. Was, yeah, it was a single instructor. Um, and honestly, it was it was textbook. It was buttery smooth. Uh, I've. A lot of the uh, the students out there were really, really good students. So I, I didn't have to struggle too much. Any reason why they were all really good students? Is it the meth in El Paso that does it? I think that's what it is, <laughs> that blue meth. It uh, really uh, calms them down. Do were you at the drops on this last weekend? Yes. Halloween. Do you know the new instructor, Michael? Mike, uh, Michael, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, the one that just she recently shaved all his... My, Michael Fiala. <laughs> Thank you, Fiala. Dude, like... I did. So he came up and talked to me Saturday. Nick and I were just shooting the breeze and he had some questions for me. And first of all, if you ever want to approach a group of people talking, ask Michael Fiala how to approach a group of people talking. He's very, very nice, kind and respectful. And as we're talking, he had shaved his beard off. And at some point I was like, yeah, man, no, you're on staff. So I'll, I'll help you with this part right here. He goes, oh, man, I didn't know if you'd recognize me, you know, with a beard. And I'm like, man, honestly, COVID, I've never seen your beard. I've only seen your eyes. Yeah, so right. I recognize the eyes. I didn't think much of it. And somebody later on told me, dude, he looks like Walter White from Breaking Bad. And did you see the rest of his outfit? I did not. I only saw, I saw him full beard and then no beard. I didn't get to see the in-between. Oh, dude. yeah. He had like the respirator and like the full <sighs> gown thing. That's awesome. Bag yeah. of blue rock candy. It was uh, dope. Was perfect. If you follow his uh, moderately famous dog on Instagram, he, he did post some, some great pictures. So he doesn't have one, but his dog does. Yeah, his, his dog's, dog's dope. Do you know the story it's about him so and his dog? It's so cute. No, it's but pretty, I think that's It's better. pretty awesome. They travel all around on a motorcycle, and his dog, Socks, rides on the back of the motorcycle. With his little paws. With his paws up on his oh shoulders. That's adorable. The the Dodo did a really nice story. on. It's got a, the grip of views on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Oh if you gosh. just look up the bike dog, you'll definitely find dog. it. The bike dog. Yeah. yeah. I actually cute. plan on asking to have him on the show at some point. He's, he's a really nice guy. He seems to have a pretty interesting story. 
And dude, this guy rolls around on his motorcycle with his dog just hanging on his back. It's so dope, dude. Oh Skydiving dog, this too. This is so amazing. So yeah, he's got 17 jumps, I yeah, believe, yeah. that dog. Yeah, it was really interesting because he wanted to go about it the best and right ways. And when he contacted UPT about making sure it was okay, they were like, yeah, we'll support it. We'll help you. Like, can we use this for social media? Like, we'll advertise you do it. Um, he, he's a super good dude, man. And, and uh Man, dogs are way better than people. Like, I agree. Dude, wait. I would have voted a dog in for president this term if, if I could have, man. Goofy, Pluto, like in, any of the above. Odie. Dude, Odie would have had it covered, man. Dog the bounty hunter. I'm in. Just whatever. <laughs> dog, dude. Could you come back? <laughs> <laughs> we still we still don't know who it is yet, right? No, we don't. No, not at all, man. Yeah, last I looked, Biden was ki- was coming pretty close. Uh, it looks like Biden. So uh, Pennsylvania is more than oh, likely no. Trump. North Carolina is really close, but more than likely Trump. Georgia was looking more and more Trump, but it is one tenth of a percent separation. Trump has a lead, just barely in Georgia. But Nevada and Arizona, Biden has a lead good enough that if he wins just both of those. He's got it. But it looks like Georgia's going to go uh, Biden as well. Uh, Trump's already said that they're going to uh, contest a couple results. Wisconsin, like anything less than a percent or half a percent, they're going to be contesting, I'm sure. Which, I mean, as long as you let the process continue on the right way, feel free to contest. And, and, and like, if it's 0.1% difference in vote, I could see you asking for a recount of that. Yeah. But don't block, the don't, don't become Chavez. You know who Chavez is mm-hmm. from Venezuela? Venezuela. Yeah. yeah, man. Don't don't sit there like Maduro currently is and just sitting there and saying like, nope, screw the election. I, I belong here. This is I'm the president because I said so. That's why I'm sharing dog videos on our live feed right now. Yeah. Not politics. I, I love it, man. And I'll, I'll share politics for one second because I'm not <laughs> trashing Trump. I'm trashing all of them. The, the whole effing system, and I think we've talked about on the show before for me, is really broken and really a struggle. It's uh, there. There's a giant turd laying in the middle of the yard, and we're arguing over which end of the turd we want. So, I mean, I want this end of the turd. No, I want this end of the turd. Like, no, I don't want a turd, man. Can we go to a different yard? Can we? Can we do something different? So, I uh, I, I hope this this election is a wake up call to the American political system and Americans to get better. I, I hope. I didn't say I believe. I hope Th- that scares. I mean, it scares me really. Like to to think about what a drastic change in the in the hopes of improvement would look like. Like I just don't think such a thing has ever happened in a very peaceful way in uh, in history. It's like, man, if you would have asked eighteen year old me to like raise hell about you know changing the American system, yeah, you could have talked me into into doing some crazy stuff. But it's like, man, thirty four year old me just wants to go home and go to bed so I can get up and go to work the next day. It's like, man, I my life hasn't been dramatically different with uh, with. You know, whether it's been Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George Bush, uh, like my life hasn't changed all that much. And it's like I know what it's like to be a young, passionate person with big feelings and thinking that it's going to make a huge difference who's in that office. But it's like, man, I, I think that like seeing how low quality these people are, it's like, man, if, if the voting system really worked the way that we're told that it's worked, out of 330 million Americans, we would have found two better people to yeah. be running against each other. It's like, man, I really doubt the level of power that comes with that position and how much influence you actually have. Yeah. And uh, it just makes me believe more in conspiracy theories and the Illuminati and who's really calling the shots. It really makes me believe in a little thing called New Zealand. I want to move to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've said it more than once, man. If 
if my wife said yes, we would live there right now. See, I, the, I mean, I, I think that anyone who wants to live in any other part of the world, I think that that's great. But I don't like. I don't feel personally deterred about living in America based on the election results. Like, I'm not worried about. Uh, whether Joe Biden does a worse job than Don, like I'm not worried about who actually sits in that office. I think the biggest, uh, the scariest thing for me is what the crazy people are going to do who are so opinionated about who yes. needs to be sitting in that upset office. Yeah, yeah, other person won. Yeah, those super loud yeah. people on mm-hmm. the on the outsides of the left and the outsides of the right when those people clash and they want to start some trouble. Those that's that's what scares me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Biden or Trump are going to start a civil war. I think our friends are going to start a. Not say civil war, but look at all the civil unrest that happened with uh, what was that guy's name? The the dude who was he's from here, but he was killed in St. Louis, I think. George uh, Floyd. Thank you, George Floyd. Uh, like George Floyd. Look at the civil unrest that came from that. Um, look at the civil unrest that's come from all these other issues going on, and the fights that people are picking, not choosing, literally picking and starting fights over their beliefs and values. It's it's petty. It's pathetic, and that's I absolutely agree. That scares me that you and I can't disagree and still be okay. Yeah, and not get, like, crazy. I think in in person, people would find common ground, and and I think it's the internet that really drives all this stuff. I believe it. Social media is... is The conductor, for sure. Because if you said some really terrible stuff to my face right now, we'd still be here together and we'd have to deal with it, right? You'd see how it affected me you'd hear my response and we'd either fight about it or we'd work through it. But it's like when, when people are, you know, so far away, you can say anything to anyone on the internet and it's like, they're going to have a really hard time finding you at the very least. Right. And the fact that we can organize so much easier. I mean, there's people from, from different States organizing and you know, the whole thing with Biden's um, tour bus getting run off out of Austin or whatever that apparently was being planned before it even happened, you know? And so the fact that they were able to just like plan ambushing it You or could whatever. talk me 100% into believing that people in China who it's their job to be trolls on the internet organized that entire thing just to stir up shit in America. 4chan. Um, I believe I it. I don't know about that, but I did see that documentary about like how there are, that that is totally a thing. Yeah, the, sure. the different countries meddle in different, uh, in other countries' elections by stirring up shit intentionally online because mm-hmm. you wouldn't, who, you, it's all anonymous, right? You don't know who's, who's typing that stuff on the keyboard. Exactly. And they all think somebody else did it, but actually no one in the organization did. <laughs> it's just great. Could be true. I didn't know that it happened. Toward his, uh, his election yeah. bus? His election bus. Got, like, they like were just surrounding him in, like, real close quarters. I mean, they were being very, like, you know. Yeah, it was on Friday. Um, yeah, they were like, hazardous driving. I mean, yeah, like, they, they were they actually rammed. Not. One of the trucks rammed f- one of the following our escort cars yes. outside the tour bus. Mm-hmm. Going down the highway. Man. It's, it's yeah. insanity. The fuck is wrong with you? Yes. And, I mean, the thing is, is that no one's... No one's condoning it necessarily, but it's like they're not saying no. They're not being like, don't do that. Or, you know, like that's wrong. Don't Yeah, don't do that. There you go. You're <laughs> like, an idiot. You know. Like I can completely philosophically, mor- morally, and, and in so many ways disagree with you, and I'm not gonna run your car off the road. That's just mm-hmm. just asinine and juvenile. It's actually one of the the first things that I got attracted to you by man you're a sexy man hey oh it is when we first started talking about head pe it was very quickly i came to terms with this thought and i please tell me if i'm wrong but you really don't care how somebody believes or feels you just want to know you're talking to a good person 
It's more about are you a good person? We don't have to agree to be respectful. We don't have to 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 agree to like each other. We that, have that's actually one of the my favorite things that I've read recently is I, you don't have to think like me. I just want you to think. It's people who aren't thinking that you know. Man, that's uh, I wish some people would think. Oh man, some of my coworkers. Oh my gosh, I wish some of some of our friends would think. You're all smiling because you all work together. Mm-hmm. So you did how many AFF jumps? Big change uh, in, <laughs> in in El Paso. Um, I had a number written down. Ballpark. Um, it was over 120. And you know th- those are AFF, not coach jumps. True AFF levels. Yes. Okay, and. You you've already said you really uh, have felt pretty good. You haven't lost a student, so obviously <laughs> not a bad story. But what's the worst thing you've witnessed? What's the worst scare you've had as an instructor? As an instructor, as um, an AFF instructor. All right, can I talk about this? <laughs> Just don't name names. <laughs> no, no, no. There's definitely no names. But okay, so there was an. He was an older gentleman. He was in the military. He had. Sorry, it's like totally cutting out here. I'm distracted. I know, distraction. Um, he was, he had retired from two separate um, branches of the military. He had retired, did 20 years, retired from the Army, did another 24 years as a Marine, and then retired. And then to, yeah, so he was like this hardcore bulldog, you know, like he was a real deal. I want to say he was late 60s early 70s um just a real beast of a man and he had all his military people there and um you know he he had to do a certain amount of jumps i think it was five jumps is, or six jumps that he had to complete in order to get some sort of airborne wings or something he had never jumped before and Going through his AFF, you know, we did two instructors the entire time on all five or six of those jumps. And when it came to canopy flight, he flew okay. His flares were not the best. And that being said, there was one jump where he seemed to not flare at all and thumped the ground pretty good. Went, you know, end over end. And I thought that I had just seen this man take his last steps. And he popped up laughing, <laughs> dusted himself off. We offered him a ride back to the hangar because, you know, that's we'd always have the vehicle out there to pick him up, my truck, and, you know, take tandems and students back to the hangar because it was a bit of a walk. And he's like, I don't need no damn truck. I'll walk myself. And that was wild. That was a little scary. And that just showed just how tough and strong this old bastard was, you know. Uh, And thank God he was done for jumping for the day. And he was there bright and early the next morning to finish the rest of his jumps. So that was scary. It's crazy to see people will have the most worst horrific landings and walk away from it. And then you'll watch a dude break his ankle from like, tripping on an anthill something is the stupidest stupidest thing i mean i blew my acl out last summer on the dumbest shit it was a normal average landing that's all it was and then i took a few steps to kind of sprint it out you know and that's all it took it was like three steps in and my knee popped out sideways how's that knee going so far so good i see you still kind of uh guard it oh absolutely 
Do you yeah. guard it because you're just being overprotective, or do you guard it because it's still gentle and tender? No, it's definitely just being overprotective. Okay, that's all it is. Because you, you, uh, I notice you slide in a lot of your landings. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, uh, I would encourage you to uh, get back to being comfortable to standing and back up. Yeah, I, I do occasionally. I do occasionally, but I would say probably three out of four, I'm gonna slide them in. If it's enough wind, you're standing them all up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this something that you think you'll get away from and get back to standing up and running out landings? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. What's hindering that right now? The fear of having to go through surgery again and be put out for three months. What are you flying for a canopy? Uh, JFX two eighty four. Two hundred eighty four square. No I'm kidding. <laughs> JFX two. So uh, here's the real popular thing that nobody really wants to hear. Have you considered upsizing to a much larger canopy just to get through the process and then re-downsizing to yep. where you feel comfortable again? I did. I went up to a, a 109, and I jumped on that for a while. and then Were you able to stand up and run out those landings comfortably? I don't think I stood up a single one of those. I think I slid them in out of fear. Yeah. I, I would highly encourage you to get back to jumping that bigger canopy because I don't think watching you get around and, and I've seen some of your landings where you do at the saying you slide them out is not a completely fair statement because you commonly slide on your button. Really, you're skimming. You're not really skidding. Right. The difference between the two words. And then at the end, you'll have that little bit of flare to pop right yeah. exactly right yeah. back up. So I, I, I have enough evidence in front of my face to believe that I think you're fine and you're, you're I don't blame you for being overprotective. I yeah. dude, it's my biggest fear about going to the doctor for my shoulder. Sir, my shoulder is them tell me I need surgery again. I am apt. That's that is the biggest fear that I have is them saying you need surgery. Actually, the biggest fear I have is them telling me it's a tumor and it's a cancer. So th- th- it's not a tumor, a joke earlier. I, I don't really think it is, but there's always that little weird fear, right? Um, Man, go back up to that 109 and jump it. I don't think it would take you long to get the confidence to stand landings back up. I yeah. really don't. So I would encourage you. My, I always get afraid because what happens if you're running out landings and something goes wrong and you twist your knee again? It's a bad day. It really is. What happens if you're sliding out of landing and something goes wrong and impacts your spine or your coccyx or whatever else goes on out there? I, I, I just... Sliding out landings is a fair option, but if it's a normal routine, I always discourage people from making a normal routine because if things go wrong with your legs, that sucks. If things go wrong with your back, sucks a little bit more. Yeah. So so just sure. just be careful. I say that out of I think you know respect and care for you. Yeah. Um you've been an instructor now for uh and I say been an instructor, I'm not talking about with necessarily a rating, but May is when you did your AFF rating. Or you start working in uh El Paso. Was it May you said? Uh June. June, uh, three months there. How long did you stay there? Three months. Okay, cool. Three months, and you did 120-ish AFF jumps. Yeah. You started flying video while you were there. Correct. Video, I hear so many jumpers think like, man, I'm going to go shoot video of my buddy doing a tandem. I'm going to go fly with my buddy doing a tandem. And everybody thinks, no big deal. I can just fly with them. It really is that easy. When I first started shooting tandem videos, I found out that, yes, I could stay with them. But it's a much bigger deal than I realized. How was that challenge of, of flying with tandems? Um, not challenging at all. I had chased, you know, quite a few tandems over the years. How many-ish? Uh, 20-ish, maybe that's, more. That's respectful. I like that. I, I like that approach. Yeah. Um, and so 
flying video out there, not a problem. I was like right up in their face, but I was on level with them. So coming here, um, you know, and actually flying videos and getting paid for it, I'm learning. <laughs> uh, Mr. Lott, you know, said dress for success, uh, put on extra baggy stuff because I have to fly lower looking up that angle. That's that's all new to me. Yeah. So I'm still learning that. And I feel like I've, you know, I've definitely made some improvements, but I've got a lot to learn still. I will uh, tell you, uh, it's so funny. So a little disclosure for everybody. Nick Law, I think we all know as a manager at Spaceland, Jimmy does work at Spaceland. Nick also runs a video department. So Mr. Lot, he's referring to as his boss at the moment. You know, I don't like that word. Uh, uh, no, you don't. But that's we're just using. Uh, uh, no, I would say that uh, I'm a friend who would offer guidance and uh, and, and encouragement and uh, I would say you're information. A great leader. That's what I would actually say. I, I appreciate that. I hope that that's true. But I don't think I would use that word. I would. So you can shut up. Great. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so oh, hang, go ahead. Hang on. But uh, I just wanted to point out the difference. That, like there's a difference between flying with a tandem. Like they're someone that you would be on a skydive with. Right, like if it was me and you going on a two-way, I would want to be as close to you as possible because it feels now. Now we're flying together, right? Everything you've learned in the, uh, like learned in the tunnel, or like flying-wise, being on level is a thing, right? But now when we're uh, working towards getting the best shot of a tandem student and seeing their face and seeing, uh, you know, getting getting wide shots of them, getting close shots of them, thinking about it from. Uh, a, f- a more photographic perspective yep. that there's a, there's some different stuff that goes on there. Right. And I think that we, you know, for space and we're, we're pretty fortunate. We have a, a pretty strong video team. So there's a lot of experience to lean on and a lot of people who are going to give you tips and advice, whether it's uh, welcomed or not, you'll, you probably hear people uh, giving you some stuff, but uh, you know, I don't think that there's uh, anything wrong with having uh, high standards, right? Most definitely. How, uh, You've done pretty well. I mean, you're, you're learning pretty quick. You're, uh, you seem really comfortable uh, around tandems. What, uh, aside, aside from uh, where your slot is uh, relative to the tandem, do you, do you think that there's a lot of differences in what you were uh, doing somewhere else? No. Uh, definitely, it's, it's about that level. That level's a little different because, yeah, it, you know, getting that shot from down low, mm-hmm. you know, you lift your chin up, you're spilling air. You have the <laughs> tendency to, you know, sink out. Uh when you're flying on level, you really don't have to worry about any of that because it's pretty easy to stay on level, yeah, especially if you know to fly, how to fly. Fly real flat, right? Yeah, just be there, you yeah. could do whatever. You know, I would jump in just shorts and a t-shirt all the time. Didn't matter how much they weighed. It was no big deal. I never had to worry about sinking out or, you know, if they were super light, didn't have to worry about sinking out, anything like that. And I quickly learned, oh, there's a big difference when you're shooting from that, you know, at a lower shot looking up towards the tandem so what are you wearing commonly when you're shooting video today uh i'll throw a student suit on lots of drag it depending on the on the size of the student okay yeah and you're doing it not for fall rate but for pitch angle uh yeah well to correct the fall rate as well uh because you know i could i could pretty much fly like whatever orientation but if i'm you know, in a position where my chin is up and I'm looking, you know, up at the subject. Yeah, you do spill quite a bit of air. And that's something that it's like, okay, all right. So I'll I'll definitely throw on a cheater suit to make it easy for me. 
Man, work smarter, not harder. First of all, get the F over your ego, people. It's not about can you do it. It's about doing the job comfortably, right? So make it easier is what you said. I think that's such a strong statement. Yeah. It makes my life easier. And I'll uh, tell you from the outside looking in, I hear from Nick a lot during the day um, when there's a problem. Sometimes he comes to me just to gripe, and he just wants to like vent, and I get to hear it about you guys. Hey, that's a two way street. You, you, you do a that thousand just as percent? Much. No, a, a thousand percent. <laughs> absolutely. This is like my girlfriend over here, dude. We are like absolute hetero life mates. Jay and Silent Bob. Um, I'm the top. Uh, we take turns, <laughs> please, please. I'm a power bottom. <laughs> he pushes back. That's true. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, and I, I hear also his compliments, his, I hear everything. I know a lot of what's going on with his staff and he talked about you in your growing process and, and what you've learned. And, and I've heard a lot of good things about your willingness to grow, learn and, and find different ways. Like one of the things that I was, uh, encouraged to do before I moved here, thankfully it was my mindset, but I will still thank my friend for telling me this is when you show up there for six months, don't try to change a thing. Don't tell them how you do a thing. For six months, you do exactly what they do and how they do it. Uh, learn their way because you will become better for it, even if it's not a better way. And I love the mindset that you've always come to the table. Back to your AFF course. There are so many great things I think you can learn about flying a human's body as a tonal instructor. Because legitimately, you're standing there on the net flying their body. Say that's a fair statement? Yeah, he's shaking his head yes, by the way. Um <laughs> Yes. Yes. He, he j- just happened to push the mic away at that moment. Uh, as an AFF instructor, it's something that we talked about in your course that we stole straight from the tandem world. I don't know many examiners who teach pitch control. Uh, for those of you just listening uh, or don't know what we're talking about, if I'm an instructor on a student's side, if I'm on a side body and we're spinning towards a student's head, we're not really spinning. The student, his legs are out too far, and he's driving forward, but I'm holding on to him, so he's just driving in a circle around me. Well, that means he's got too much legs out where he's pitched too head low and too tail high. So if I can literally just change his pitch, ultimately give him a signal, make him fix it. That doesn't fix it. Change his pitch. I can slow it down and then give him the appropriate signal. Um, even in the course when we talked about that, you actually acted like you were super open to it. But it's something I think you used every day. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much how we do high flights. Yeah, uh, you know, you got to give them the drive, so it's all pitch control. Yeah, yep. I do straight up. I would love to say I'm a genius, and and this is something I learned to do. And I stole it from a tunnel instructor, man. Uh, do you know JP? JP Ferrari. Yep. I uh, Ferrari is that how you say his last name? Ferrari. I like to call him Ferrari because it's just cooler sounding. Uh, JP used to be a tunnel instructor at Paris, and he was actually the one who taught me that and said, hey, man, should you, you should teach us to AFF instructors. Uh, but back to the, the point really with you is it doesn't seem to matter what your experience is. You come in open-minded to new experiences. So I like the fact that you've come here to Spaceland. When, when, when you, you were in El Paso, you did how many tandem videos? Ballpark? Uh, 70 plus. Okay. So not as many as I thought I would, I, you, you did say you were pretty heavily involved with AFF. Yeah. Uh, but even here you keep pushing your boundaries. Why? What, what, what motivates you to get, uh, boredom. (laughs) (laughs) That's legit. No, I mean, it's like, no, it's something that it's like, I'm out there a lot anyways. So why not learn more about it? You know, it's for one, it's fun. I, I don't think I've ever been on a skydive that I didn't enjoy, whether it's a you know work jump or just 
a fun jump gone bad, it's like, eh, they're, they're all fun. So why not just get more experience out of it? Why so, not challenge yourself? Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, we, I think we can be real. You don't have enough experience to probably be there yet, but I, I think you can see it. What we do can be a very boring job. It can be a very redundant shooting video, doing tandems. Would you agree? Pretty potentially. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, you know, just like tunnel instructing, you're doing the same yeah. thing over and over and over again. Yeah. But if you let it become boring, it's going to be boring. Uh, you got to, you got to keep it, you got to keep it fun. You got to constantly kind of throw yourself a challenge, whether it's, you know, just a personal challenge that, you know, no one else even knows about. It's just a little something that you're planning on doing. Like, you know, it started out, say, at the tunnel. It was like, all right, I'm going to try not to touch them with my left hand at all during this entire class. Uh, you know, everything will be done if I have to touch a body only with my right hand. So it's just little things like that. So that's pretty neat. I love it. No, it's, uh, I'm laughing, but I'm laughing and enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, just keep it interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it makes life different. You're now kind of at the precipice of a full time skydiving career. Mm-hmm. You did a full time uh, three months in El Paso. You came back here to Houston, and you have uh, I think been uh, you, you started full time. Saw that we had a little bit of a, a seasonal issue. We had staff, and I think you uh, were in, in a large part considering other people and not wanting to step on the people who needed money more than you, and said, "Use me as you need me." But That's I think fair. I think you're ready to kind of step forward and, and go a little bit heavier again. Oh, for sure. I mean, when the time, you know, whenever Mr. Lot lets me know. <laughs> yeah, we have a few conversations about it. And, yeah. You know, staff is a really interesting thing this year. I guess I don't need to bore everyone with, with talking about it. But, uh, you know, the COVID situation and uh, people traveling, especially international people, and uh, just, just plans that people have had have been dramatically changed by the current circumstances. And... Uh, so it just keeps things uh, changing for us too, as, as people come and go, and uh, you know the the season for us has been uh, busier for longer than it usually is, which has been uh, an interesting thing to to deal with staffing wise, and to think about. Oh, is another shutdown shutdown going to happen? Oh, is how how's the weather going to be this this winter? All these things kind of boil and boil or uh, factor into to what our needs are but you've been someone who's been super flexible and uh someone that uh, definitely doesn't feel like you have to be babysat that you're just there you're ready you do your job and you do a good job and uh from a managerial perspective it's great so so keep it coming what's your goals with skydiving instruction skydiving instructor uh just become a better instructor i know there's so much to learn um and space is a great place to learn from uh, a lot of experience there. A lot of really, really, you Some know, shredders. talented instructors. Not just instructors, but you know, video people. There's stuff to learn all over the place. So, you're going. You're, you're considering going full time. Yes. Do you think this is a job you're going to hold for years to come, or is this something you'll be doing for a short time? No, I could definitely see it. I mean, I'd never really planned on being at the tunnel as long as I was, and that turned into a five year stint that would have probably continued on had not COVID, you know, kind of disrupted that a little bit. So, yeah, most definitely. I could – I don't want to go back to work in uh, a real job. <laughs> when, was, uh, when was the last time you were doing full-time with a construction gig? Uh, right before I uh, – 2015, yeah. So do you have someone who manages most of that stuff for you? Like how, yep. how often do you have to check in with any of that? Uh, not as much as I probably should, but yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty much under control now. So, so you actually own the business. Yes, and that I think that's what affords you the luxury to have a less than great paying job. I, the tunnel, you could say that. tunnel instructor, skydiving instructor. On average, we are not the best paying industry in the world. It's just straight up. Um, you know, it, it's there. There are some really lucrative jobs in the skydiving industry, and they're few and far between when we say lucrative. Um, most full-time skydivers aren't easily able to support a family without another good income coming in. Um, I, my family's lucky because we're dinks. You know what dinks are? Define a dink. Dual income, no kids. Mm. Is this a, a, a phrase that's used? I like it. Do you, for real, you guys have never heard of dinks? <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was some kind of racist thing that you were <laughs> yeah, saying. Because right. I'm Asian, you think it's like a chink? Man, yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know where this was that's going. Exactly so. Honk your ass, crack it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to get in trouble for being racist now? Because I just called you that. <laughs> HAC. I'm going to call you guys HACs from now on. Honky ass crackers. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. That's a hack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so now when I see Larry Hack, I'm going to think of him. Well, that's very racist because he is white. <laughs> oh, man. Um, God, where did I get distracted from? That uh, you guys are a dink. Uh, you're a yeah. dink. I'm a dink. Um, uh, What's... Oh, oh, never mind. Just kidding. What's what? Just a single person without kids. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what would be if it's, it's just one income Blessed. with no kids? Yeah. Blessed. <laughs> single person with no kids. Wait, Valerie's not listening to this show, is she? Uh, Valerie's sister listens. Don't tell her. Um, the uh, So the, the question back to was, do you see a career in skydiving? You see staying involved with this for quite a while? Oh, for sure. And what about outdoor skydiving instruction? Why, why be here instead? Instead of indoor? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, like I said, this was always kind of my first love. And the reason I even went to the tunnel was to get better at, you know, my free falling part of the whole skydive. So I feel like I've gotten there. You know, I got pretty much everything I wanted out of that. I still love flying in the tunnel, but now maybe I can start learning how to fly my canopy for a change. So... Yeah, I've seen. It. No I'm kidding. <laughs> I, just, um, I wanted to ask what what was like cool guy flying to you when you started working at the wind tunnel. What were your goals? I did just straight up. I want to fly on my head. Okay. Yep. Did you have goals for static flying or dynamic flying? Like, what was, what uh, was it cool was to you? just to be able to fly static on my head. I didn't really even know dynamic was a thing at the time, mm-hmm. and that was just you know. Of course, once that world was introduced to me, it was like okay, that's what I really want to do. And so you're never satisfied with how well you fly to other people. You may be blowing their minds and they think that, you know, you're a tunnel God in there, but you know, you know how this is. You're never satisfied, you know, whether it's, Outdoor skydiving, indoor skydiving. I'm offended by the term outdoor skydiving. I'll have you know. I know it's <laughs> yeah. It's Do you guys refer to it as outdoor skydiving? <laughs> well, the tunnel? yeah, because I've you know I kind of ingrained you know, with I, the whole indoor I can skydiving. Saying that word to to someone who's not a skydiver, I get it. Yeah, it's. I never liked the term indoor skydiving, and I don't think too many people do anyways. Yeah, and I, I think that that term only exists to put a mental image in the head of, yeah, uh, of someone who, who might yeah. be a potential customer, yep. right? Yep. If you say tunnel flying to the person you just met at Costco, That's they don't true. know what you mean. Yep. But if you yeah. say indoor skydiving, that at least puts some sort of imagery yep. in their head about what we're talking There's, about. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people have, you know, first-time flyers that come into the tunnel have asked, where do we jump from? 
So they actually think that building's tall, so there's another floor that we oh. go up to, and they indoor skydive into the tunnel. Oh, that, I mean, mm. the, I mean, it is a big, tall building, so yeah. I mean, I could see the confusion. Yeah, so I guess if they've God. never seen like a YouTube video or anything yeah. like that, that's what like they we're think gonna it is. We're going to jump off of this yeah. building. Like there it's are, an indoor base jump or something. What, <laughs> yeah. what, uh, what, there's a couple European tunnels that have like the, the door Japan. up oh, yeah. Japan. Japan has one, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, oh, S- yeah. Sakura. Sakura Cup was yeah. Can you imagine if that was your job with the first timer to jump out of that door and try and sort them out before you smash into the net? <laughs> that sounds so much That fun. could be pretty fun. I guess yeah. maybe in that 32-foot wind tunnel in uh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's what I was just out. thinking. Like, like, it would need to be bigger. <laughs> isn't that on Yaz Island? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah on Fight Island. Yep. So, Oh, that's the same place? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yaz Island is really... It's kind of... Uh, Galveston is more of an island than Yaz Island is. I mean, technically, Yaz Island is an island, but it's it's closer to the mainland than Galveston is to us. Um, and it is it's got the you have you seen the indoor sh- 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 snowboarding? Uh, yeah, I've seen that place. The the giant mall, the like all the amusement. Ferrari stuff. seems to have a big a big presence there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yaz Island is their big amusement park. Island is I guess the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. So I want do that thirty two foot tunnel. Oh my God! Could you imagine how hard you could hit a wall with that mm. thing? Yeah, it's it's a matter of time before someone dies in that oh thing. Oh my God! It's it's uh it scares me, man. It's a matter of time before people, uh, man, the, the sport continues to evolve. Uh, we're about to uh, turn into a pumpkin, and I say that because Mister Lot is about to face a lot of really bad construction. I got a bedtime. Ooh, and me too. Traffic. Then poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you and I need to talk pretty <laughs> no, quickly. If, I'm uh, out, so. It seems like I 9 like p.m. Traffic. is when they start really shutting her down. Lovely. So uh, just, yeah. just don't. Just That's don't, okay. I don't, have like an audio book or something. Don't hang out with those guys. <laughs> so one of the things that I really wanted to ask you today is I've seen tonal instructors turn into full-time skydivers, and uh, they go one of two ways always. Not always, but regularly. And it is they come in and they immediately burn all their bridges because I'm a tunnel instructor. I know what I'm doing. They're arrogant pricks. Or they come in and say, I'm a tunnel instructor. I have a good foundation. Please teach me. You are the second one, no doubt. What advice would you give a tunnel instructor wanting to go into skydiving full-time? Somebody with a lot of previous skydiving experience or not very much? Both. Let's go with both avenues. Because you've you've been exposed to both people more than I have. Uh, The same advice I would give you on anything. Like, don't be a dick. Be be cool about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, just my. It's pretty much my philosophy on life, man. Just be cool, respect other people. It's not going to be the same thing that you know you were used to. So, I'll tell you something I've seen you do, and I think it's great advice for people. When you're given something different to try, try it before you refute it. Give it an earnest effort because. I bet money it will change how you do things. It might not be the way I suggested you do it, but in the end, you probably won't do it the way you thought you would do it either. If you try whatever you're told within any reason, I think you're going to learn a lot about yourself and who you are as a flyer. So I a lot of respect to you, the way you've transitioned. I've, I've always liked your mindset and your mentality of just be open. So keep it up, buddy. Cool. Anything you want to share with your friends and family? Uh, Nick Serrera, Grimace. Uh, no, I don't know who that is you're talking about. Grimace? Nick who? Nick. He's the guy that's on the inside of your locker. Oh, yeah. That, guy. Th- that picture. <laughs> from uh, Isn't that from, uh, what's that movie? 
something uh, about Mary. Thank you. You, you got the reference. Yeah. 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 So, uh, any, yeah, anything you want to share with those people? Uh, nah. Be good. Love everyone. Man, uh, Mr. Mr. P, what you got, homie? Uh, thanks to everyone who came out to the film festival. It was a very Hi. exciting evening. Uh, can we talk about who won? Or are we keeping any secrets about that video? Absolutely not. Hmm. What? That's confusing. Yeah, We're no, not keeping secrets or we can't talk about them? Th- yes, the second thing. The first, we, we can talk, talk about, about it. Him. We can talk about it. Well, base jumping is uh, oh, frowned see, upon by members of law enforcement. So, first of all, <laughs> oh, we have see, shared the video on, on our face. Facebook page. I so, go mm-hmm. check it out. It's um, awesome. It's, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I was sh- shouting at the screen. The I was fact, so happy. Don't, don't spoil did, the ending. Know, don't no, spoil no, no, the no, ending. No. The fact that he did all of that in one night. Dude, blows yeah, my mind. Pretty awesome. Dude, yeah. the ending, man, it was like a triple orgasm make me wet in my panties. You see what I did there? I was wet before that part <laughs> even started. Uh, <laughs> no, so I actually asked Jed about the video and the statute of limitations for any problems that could be uh, incurred by that had passed. Okay, great. So He base jumped off a lot of buildings in downtown Houston. It's awesome. <laughs> it's <is> super awesome. <laughs> and I mean, do some mega, mega crazy stunts, man. Super dope. It was it was a really good time. A lot of really killer videos. Um, I really appreciate everybody spending time with us. I, we really try to create a very friendly and, and fun atmosphere, and we'll always continue to promote it that way. So thank you guys uh, who participated with videos, for who voted, for who hung out, for keeping it that friendly, fun vibe. Yeah, thanks for uh, anyone who didn't bring any unnecessary drama into the fold. And uh, maybe we think of a new voting system for next year? Yeah. Um, so the first year, I actually made everybody vote digitally. Download the app, which I thought was great. Yeah. But people had a problem downloading the app. Oh, okay. So we'll figure it out next well, year. Well, I think technology is a little bit further along because next year is our fifth How about you have festival. to be uh, 35 years old or younger to vote? I think that'll solve all the problems. Yeah, because anybody who's <laughs> I I can't da- I dude I downloaded the app I count what the hell yeah see you did great but I mean your vote doesn't count anyway yeah it's uh I don't think I've technically ever really voted like I, I think I've maybe voted once yeah and I don't think I've ever voted did you vote this year Elsa no you were charged was, counting the vote I was running around frantically like what is happening wacky waving inflatable arm inflatable yes, tube Elsa exactly Elsa anything else you want to share with the people out there no I agree. The Gravity Lab uh, Film Fest was awesome. Yo, white girl, you know what to do. Play that funky music. Funky Guys and gals, thank you for listening to Gravity Lab Radio. This has been Mr. Jimmy Skates. Come out to Skydive Spaceland. Join him. Party with him. Skydive with him. Fly head down. And oh my God, the music is so fucking loud. Okay, last time you said it was too soft. <laughs> Obi, I, I fixed everything this time around. So until uh, then, Blue Skies, we're out of here. See you next week. Do we have a show next week? No one heard what he said, but I know what he said. No, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to say no. No, to me, to you. I'm going to say no to you. My ears are sweaty. We're still recording, right?